Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. Today on the Ether, part one of a probably three part Chepe Space Doquan, Saint or Sinner. Let's take a listen. Good morning, guys. I'm assuming some of you have seen the Laura Shin interview. I think Bruce is uh, out getting a bite at the cafe, so he's going to finish up and come hang out for a little bit. Uh, if anyone wants to hop up and hang out, uh, give some opinions about what they thought about either the interview or just like maybe general opinions about sort of Doe and TFL and whatever, uh, be my guest as, Hey, how are you doing, man? Hello everyone. This is Jefe. Um, my name is Steven. Thank you very much for allowing me to speak and the time. Uh, I wish everyone a great day today. Um, it's a very interesting day, I think, for crypto. I just woke up. I'm on the central time. Uh, actually, I'm in Mexico. I'm developing on Luna Classic. Uh, we're breaching our token and our NFTs. So to discuss about what's going on with Duwon, I think it's a very important day, right? Um, even though markets are going down, they're really dipping hard. It's very good for the community. I think for Luna Classic to see the leader of who built the blockchain speaking out there for the cameras and giving an interview, that's going to remove a lot of thought behind this, right? And the most important thing right now, I believe, is to be educated. Uh, crypto is a wild, wild west where I see there's no, there are no um, borders, there are no limits at all. Uh, and it's very it's very healthy to see Duwon talking about what happened, which is basically a market failure, as he mentioned. It wasn't a scam as much people think he did to to the people that he took all that money. But I don't know. I mean, it's very good to see. Wait, he, he took he took all that money. I mean, he, most of the people think that he rocked the 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 whole thing. You know that he he nah. he took the forty forty billion, but I, I'm saying that it's very healthy that he's saying the truth and know what people think, which is wrong. He didn't took the money. It was just a market failure. It was, yeah. it was something, a glitch in the matrix, let's put it that way. I don't think he's a scammer. I don't think he rocked anything. I don't think he ran away with any money. He just did what he think he was better for a project at the moment. And probably he did some buybacks with Bitcoin, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what we need. People that are putting their face out, that are working behind uh, the blockchain, and they're still here building. So it's very good to see the yeah. world. So I, I was kind of reviewing the uh, interview to see if I could learn anything particularly new uh, that I didn't already know. So pretty much uh, 
everything that was stated, I already knew um, it, pretty much every question except for the one answer uh, that uh, LFG is going to be producing some sort of like accounting in the next weeks. Um, and that's uh, that can be a, a complicated thing to put together. Uh, especially if you have to kind of prove where different money went. Um, and this is, this is one of the problems like I have with using Bitcoin for anything. Like this is the, like actually LFG <laughs> would be the, the, the quintessential example of why like Bitcoin's not going to save the world. Like, I think this is going to like fall hard on people with like who have no corporate experience, who have no idea how to run a treasury, um, who have no idea how to, like um, do accounting or regulatory Bitcoin's problem generally is, and this was kind of like what made me nervous. And I think what made everyone nervous when LFG started using Bitcoin for, um, you know, uh, peg maintenance, um, I understood why it was used like, you know, to have a decentralized money built on decentralized money and all of that. But the problem is, is that um, accounting for Bitcoin, yes, you can see where it's going on the blockchain, but there's no guarantee that, all the various wallets that BTC goes to have to be um, like doxxed, right? So like if I'm a corporation and you invest in my corporation and I make the claim that I have a thousand Bitcoin and um, number one, I can maybe prove that I have that Bitcoin because I can sign the, a wallet, you know, for example, and, you know, like sign an address and prove that, uh, that uh, like I have the coin that I say that I do. So let's say, for example, you're a bank and you're like, okay, prove to me you have a thousand Bitcoin. I'm like, all right, here, I'm going to sign this wallet on a certain date and time. That's going to prove that like this is my money. And then you can lend me uh, money as a bank because I have this collateral. But the problem is, is that, you know, in a small scale that might, you know, work out uh, to some extent or the other, but on the, the, the larger scale, Without a custodian, it poses lots and lots of issues, which is why like Coinbase custodial or Binance custodial services, these became a thing. And the self-custody part of it the, is interesting for individuals like you and myself, you and me, but they're not particularly that interesting for major corporations outside of like MicroStrategy how, you know, and a little bit at Tesla or whatever. Like how many companies have decided that, you know, and Tesla, by the way, you could argue is just for meme effect. They did the Bitcoin thing. But, you know, there was no real like, idea that they were going to use Bitcoin for their general transactions and everything else. And, and part of that's because of exactly what problems Doquan is having now with LFG in that once money starts moving here and there, um, you can't like prove exactly um, what went where to a high degree of certainty without all the counterparties admitting to those wallets being owned by them and all this other bullshit. So that's one problem. The second problem is, is that like with Bitcoin, anything built on top of it, you're basically um, adding sort of, a. so there's no way to connect, you know, let's say for example, the Terra blockchain to the Bitcoin blockchain directly. It's all just a superficial secondary layer. And, you know, Bitcoin didn't include any DeFi apparatus like to make this feasible so that everything could happen on chain and uh, you have these off-chain activities that cannot be fully accounted for that represent significant attack vectors like for example if i were to kidnap the members of the lfg or something like this uh or whatever like it it, it represents all sorts of attack vectors that 
that uh, like even when those of us who are buying Luna who are buying using UST, like the, for the last couple of years, even before the crash, one of the concerns I have was not only just the centralization of TFL that was obvious, like everyone knew that, but the other problem was like what would happen if someone took Doe at gunpoint and said, "Hey, uh, you need to do this or you need to do that, or we're gonna like." Um, you know, uh, terrorize you or your family, then the, the the price of Luna and UST would have crashed at some point anyway. So any any of these sort of centralized systems that you guys are investing in, whether it's, I don't care what it is, even Luna Classic, if something happens to key members of Terra, to, you know, Terra Rebels, I mentioned this yesterday in a, like one of the AMAs, if something happens to one of the key developers or something like that, or, you know, and, and there is not in sufficient infrastructure, it doesn't matter what uh, like even if it's a community chain, even if there's other developers that could show up, you know the price action is going to take a beating, right? Like almost for sure. And then when the price action takes a beating, you like destroy the price meme effect, and then it disincentivizes other developers for coming in and building on the same project. Which you know I think it was interesting how like the Luna Classic community was sort of like um, you know interrogating. I think people like. Vegas and people like uh, Tobias, uh, Edward Kim or whatever, for every little move that they made, even though like most of their activity is voluntary. Um, a thing to learn in crypto is that like no good deed goes unpunished. So it almost doesn't matter what like Do Kwon's intentions were, whether they were positive or negative. When something bad happens, the community is going to automatically attribute negativity to the figurehead, um, which is why like it doesn't actually make any sense for um, crypto people in general to be doxed. It just makes no sense at all. Like they, the undoxed individuals simply become an attack vector, in my view, over the long run. And this is the reason why Satoshi is anonymous, um, you know, because it, like, what, what are you going to like take Satoshi and his family at gunpoint and say, hey, give me some Bitcoin or you're going to like take the market hostage or do something weird. Right. So like it, it's an attack vector that um, is a well understood problem is founder risk and everything. So I don't know. I All along, to me, one of the weaknesses of TFL was that the founder and the team were doxxed, which, you know, is necessary when you're building a company and you're trying to, like, form uh, alliances. You're trying to, like, attract developers. People want to talk to people. They want to know that, like, you know, your project is legit. They want to know that, like, there's somebody backing it. They want to know that venture capital money is coming in so they can like developers come in, come in and feed their families. Uh, they can get rich off of the gains if the value of the token or whatever goes up. All of those kinds of obvious um, sort of like things that you might expect if you're a developer. Um, but the problem is those represent in the short term uh, things that are sort of good in the sense that they bring in lots of capital and they bring in lots of developers. But long term, if you are successful and these things get really big, it represents an existential risk to the system. And um, like, yeah, whether you believed in, in like those decisions about what he did with LFG, with what he, they did with KRT, what they did with like uh, Luna found, I'm sorry, Terra uh, funds in terms of Project Dawn, everybody had con like, not everybody, but a lot of people who are around at the time, um, many people in this room heard all of the arguments against the various different like components, and you had to make a decision each time. Do I trust the system? Do I not trust the system? Do I like brush this particular thing, not under the rug, but you know, like, do I pay that close attention to this particular flaw 
or do I think the system can overcome that flaw? Um, and, you know, like if you look at major companies historically, like your Apples or your Amazons or whatever, right, there were a number of reasons why any number of those companies uh, could have or actually failed. Um, at some point in their history. So, you know, like this sort of phoenix rising from the ashes from, you know, the, like previous UST DPEG or all these different things, uh, like they're sort of expected when you are sort of investing in a nascent, uh, highly risky uh, thing. And a lot of people went a little bit too crazy by putting in way too much like life savings and whatever the hell else into UST or into uh, Luna or whatever. Like, like as much as I was interested in the whole entire platform, I owned practically, uh, for all practical purposes, like no UST. Like interestingly enough, I was interested in more the asymmetric upside of Luna itself personally, and even then, a lot, a lot of mine was in like a liquid state form, and so actually I was able to sell it. You know, when I decided, okay, this thing like took a fifty percent haircut or more from the top, and I'm like, I don't know, like uh, it doesn't look like you know, peg is going to be maintained and I was able to clear that out. But, um, so there's, there's quite a few lessons, um, here, uh, from all of this. And I think I didn't personally learn something new from Doe from this interview, except for the LFG apparently uh, coming out with some sort of like report of what they spent this money on. But like a lot of the people who were in the foundation, I think, um, like, um, I think uh, Nick was one of them, Doe, and then I think, uh, um, what's his name from, uh, Remy was one of the folks, I don't remember who the other two were. Anyway, like, with, with the LFG, there weren't people in it that I thought were, you know, people likely to uh, uh, steal things or whatever, but Doe did make a good point that, like, the LFG wasn't really fully formed, it was sort of like this ad hoc group of people, and uh, a lot of their documentation, paperwork to sort of create this foundation uh, weren't really complete. So ultimately, a lot of the, the trade executions for LFG had to be done by Doe. And I can understand why like he's adding more sort of like financial and legal risks to himself. Because no matter what he did, uh, if it turned out badly, people were going to say something negative about it, right? Like no matter what the reason or motivation was. Um, for what he did and when he did it, you're going to have a group of people that if they lost a lot of money, they're going to be upset with him no matter what. So these kinds of jobs are jobs that basically are thankless. They, um, you know, if things are going well, great. But when things are going shitty, everyone's here to like, you know, put you up on a cross and set you on fire, right? Like they're, 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 they're going to burn the witch essentially. And um, like you saw that kind of mob mentality. Um, and that, so I can understand why he is like not saying where he's living now and all that kind of shit. Yeah, go ahead, man, Pete. Uh, you know, one of the things that struck me was uh, Doe mentioned about other projects he was doing, but nothing about Luna too. Is that surprising? Yeah, she didn't. Uh, Shin didn't really get into it much, um, and he's uh, so far online. He has not clarified, except for a few like tweets. And hints, like I think he tweeted a feather or some shit. Um, he didn't actually say anything yet about what projects may or may not be coming to Terra. And again, that may be because, well, he's been accused of participating too much on Twitter and you know pumping the price of things. Because you know how it goes. Like the minute the the, the crypto Twitter realizes there's some thing coming out, uh, people will buy the coin and the price will pump. And of course, like a bunch of people ape into the thing. And then, of course, like when the new, after the news comes out, you know, the, the price will crash. It's just kind of standard crypto Twitter stuff. 
um, where it always happens. So I think because of all the complaints levied against him, I think he's purposefully being um, like more cautious about not only what he's saying, but like maybe what projects he is or is not involved with. So I don't but, know, maybe. Yeah, it'd have been good to hear something about Luna too, because you know, we all got a lot of stuff in Luna too, like it or not, right? Yeah, of course. No, I, I think it's uh, so far right now, the, uh, the chain functions properly. Um, the validators like uh, LunkDAO here and others uh, are, you know, making the system work. Um, it's a fully upgraded Cosmos chain, which um, is not the case yet for Luna Classic. I think uh, I've made some comments about that on Twitter that, you know, like upgrading components of Luna Classic, um, that's something that's happening right now. Uh, things like uh, uh, resetting up IBC and a few other things need to be done. Um, the teams are worried right now for Luna Classic in particular, they're worried that, well, you know, in order to do a full chain upgrade, number one, that's a pretty substantial endeavor um, because the original Luna chain had not really performed all of the Cosmos upgrades. Um, but it's also a significant endeavor because like any projects that are running on Luna Classic right now would have to be ready to upgrade as well because the full smart contract upgrade, like Cosmosm upgrade. Um, so all of that, I think, is interesting and possibly happening in the background at some point. Um, and then for Luna v V2, which those of us who are in Terra originally, we mainly got airdrops, right? So yeah. we, we do care about the success of uh, uh, Terra V2 to the extent that it can be successful. And I would say this, if there's nothing at this point that prevents it from being any more or less successful than any other Cosmos-based chain. Um, the, the key question ultimately becomes like, what is going to drive revenue? Um, we know that like some of the new Cosmos chains coming to, um, coming to fruition. So for example, things like SEI network or like DYDX, they're bringing order book based trading, which I think is an important feature that, um, like GMX has addressed and some other folks like, uh, so the, the ability to essentially make Binance obsolete um you know both from a trading perspective like um you know order book based trading with market makers uh, that's one feature that i believe um is important and 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 worth like pursuing and then the second thing that's um is like things like thorchain which eliminate the need for some centralized exchange features by allowing people to use native wallets to uh like uh transact between different coins and things. There are some innovations out there um, that sort of like disrupt the current centralized exchange infrastructure, which, you know, I think a lot of us care about. And, um, you know, who knows how long it takes to make those popular. But right now, Terra V2's primary concern um, is going to be, unlike DYDX or, say, or anybody else, like who, or even Kujira for that matter, who has a very specific app chain purpose, Right now, like the goal for people on Terra V2 is to start elucidating what types of what type of dApps do you want to see? What do you want uh, built on the chain? Um, it, but it can do everything that um, it, it can do everything that, say, for example, the Juno network could do or or whatever. So I don't think uh, there are any limitations at this point. Sky is sort of the limit. But remember this, like, and again, uh, 
and, and I own plenty of Luna, so I'm not trying to make this into some like, you know, fighting my own bags thing. But like people always say, oh, you you talked about the positives and not the negatives or some bullshit. Like no matter how many times we talk about the negatives, the negatives really are that right now, like what we don't know, like what is going to be um, a killer app that's going to drive revenue to um, Terra. You know, what is going to be the defining like utility of this particular blockchain? Um, I think TFL has some projects in the background. Um, that uh, I think they believe are important to bringing traffic. I don't know what those are. Um, and I don't know that it's worth uh, like a priori speculating on Luna price or, or like making allocations without knowing what that is. Um, I don't know. So uh, just some thoughts. Like, I don't know, Pete, do you have any ideas of like what you'd want to see uh, Terra V2 do that would make you more optimistic? I mean, I like the idea of getting Binance out of the picture, uh, but I think that would, it is a long ways away. I mean, uh, what Doe has, it didn't even do is, are these projects that he's referring to in the interview, Luna 2 or something else? Uh, I believe they're on uh, Terra V2. Uh, there's no, uh, but, I, but I don't know for sure what he's doing. Uh, but I think the the he he hasn't refuted the idea that they're going to be on Terra V two, and it's still like under the auspices of TS, TFL Labs and whatnot. So I'm assuming it's to bring value to Terra V two. Uh, now remember, like he remember he specifically changed the name of uh, the old chain to Luna Classic and made the new chain called Luna. I think he has sort of a like he has a connection because he named his daughter after Luna. I think he feels uh, highly responsible for, um, you know, it, it's really great when like investors and people are making a lot of money and, um, you know, and, and throwing adulation your way on Twitter or YouTube or whatever the hell it is. And he, um, I, I think, you know, uh, feels like he needs to bring back some value to the original uh, Luna community, um, especially those who were in it with him early where you know they might have bought Luna at a dollar or less than a dollar, right? These early community members, um, early investors, like even to get Luna to a point where it's like, you know, like a, a, an average price of twenty dollars would be very, very impressive, um, and very doable actually by market cap. So, I, I think uh, compared to all the bullshit projects out there that <laughs> have high market caps, it's not impossible to. Uh, make Luna uh, V2 a lot more successful than it is now. Like it's a fairly, it's a fairly low bar at this point in terms of like achieving some sort of success. So if you had to compare Luna and its market cap to another coin out there in the, in this space, would it be something like Atom or Matic or where would you? Oh, where, where, where it? should it reach? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, so <laughs> Uh, first off, to get to the level of a, um, a Matic, considering how well they've been executing in terms of business development, um, I think it's going to be hard to catch a Matic that, that easily at this moment, right? Um, as far as uh, like Adam itself, like, I don't know, Adam has largely been a meme token. And uh, in, in terms of representing the cosmos, I believe it can be a lot more with the Adam 2.0 proposal. And some of that is baked into the current price of Atom with the Atom 2.0 and the interchain security and this and that. There's, of course, a lot of debate on Twitter as far as like 
you know, is interchain security that important? Is that going to be the next big thing? Is it going to be like more like the interchain mesh networks that Sunny with Osmosis is talking about? Nobody really knows exactly there either, but I would say there's a lot more priced in expectation to Adam than there is Luna right now. Could you, could we reach like, can Luna reach like a, a billion dollar plus market cap? Um, well, I think anything can pump to that sort of thing quickly, like whether it's Luna Classic going to $2 billion or, or Luna or otherwise. With the way markets work, you can get a big pump, like fairly short-lived. I think my question personally is, can you get a higher low where there's a sustained value at 10x current market cap? Um, I think it's feasible. I, I don't think it's any, but at the same time, like if you look at Juno, which is a community chain, um, it has a fairly small market cap and it's been around for a while. So, and then these inflationary models, you know, how popular are they going to be long-term? I don't know. Right. So, um, so like Juno has been around and doesn't have maybe some of the baggage that, you know, Terra has yet it's fairly small as well. So I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's all going to depend on the community of builders and what can be brought to Luna, what killer apps are going to bring people here and a couple of NFT projects and maybe like a, a couple of random protocols is not going to be enough. They've got to be some, there needs to be some big ones. Yeah. Um, one interesting point that I was just flicking through coin market cap while you were talking, Sethi, and I noticed that uh, USTC has a larger fully diluted market cap than Terra 2, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, so either that means USTC is like, I mean, you can look at it in a few ways. It's like bad debt. It's like a, it's like a nasty, what is it? Number 90, <laughs> number 90 on coin market cap is some sort of bad debt position and everyone's kind of holding it and hoping it goes back up again. Um, but it really, there's no, there's no sort of uh, immediate and obvious future for that. Whereas there probably is some future development on Terra 2. Um, and it's just kind of interesting. Does that mean that Terra 2 is undervalued or does that mean USTC is still woefully overvalued? And uh, I think the jury's out. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think the simple way to look at crypto is market cap small. Um, it's easy for to, to create a lot of, a uh, lot more upside for the so-called early investor. Um, but, you know, again, at the same time, like if you were a new buyer today, like where are you going to go that has the least baggage, right? Either the least like baggage in terms of negative uh, publicity, where are you going to go that has the least baggage in terms of, um, uh, I guess like, uh, like right now, there's quite a bit of Luna users that have a lot of vested tokens, obviously. So part of the lack of sell pressure is that, um, you know, is that going is that the case on some other blockchains where you have these like um, imprisoned investors or whatever. Uh, so I think, yeah, there's a long ways to go. Like for, for Luna, if it's miraculously successful for whatever reasons, I think uh, the time frame that that would be the, that that might be the case would be over several years when vesting periods and everything else have been completed um, there, you know, with another Bitcoin halvening cycle and all sorts of, you know, funny money coming into the system. Um, and the fact that there's just a lot of wallets, right? Uh, you have plenty of uh, wallets in the in the uh, Terra Station um, uh, ecosystem, and basically, like Terra the the Terra Station wallet works really well. Um, 
and you have a lot of new uh, classic users, there's maybe a possibility between like collaborative apps that use like um, both coins and things like that. So I think there's uh, there's a lot of potential there. Um, whether that potential is actually manifested as some sort of like a useful outcome and uh, beneficial to investors, all that remains to be seen, obviously. Um, but yeah, any, anybody, uh, uh, ears, what did you think about like the Doe uh, interview? Did you have any takeaway points from that? Do you want to like put uh, him up on a, like a pyre yeah. and like set him on fire? Or? <laughs> uh, Doe Kwon is, is clearly a massive scammer and uh, we should all uh, go and hunt him. Um, that's my takeaway. I, actually, I think, um, we were just talking in the uh, Lungdao chat, and one way we could funnel sort of the hate and sort of the uh, the vitriol against Doe into a fun game is let's say you have a map of the world and you break it up into lots of little quadrants. I think I think I think that app already exists. Like you have like a, a code word, a three letter or four letter code word, and you sort of say, "Oh, I'm in this square," and this helps you find people. But anyway, um, and you could go through and confirm that Doe Quan is indeed not in that square. And then you'd use GPS to confirm your location, and then it would pay you like a little uh, little fee. So maybe you could spend the afternoon walking around a field and like marking that each section is not does not contain Do Kwan. and that way we can really whittle down where he is, you know. Um, and we can really just uh, get down to the final few quadrants, and and then he's obviously by process of elimination. Uh, excuse me, can I come in? No, you can't. Um, well, I'm just looking for Do Kwan. Um, if they don't let you in. Well, then he, maybe he's inside that building. Yeah, so it's like you're talking about making like a Pokemon Go type experience where we, we like throw little balls exactly. into buildings, like check and see if yeah. Doe's there. And if he's there, we would go in there and like, like lock him up and uh, like tie him up to a stick, set him on fire maybe. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, and you can call it like, uh, yeah, Do Kwon Go or uh, Where is Do Kwon or Do Kwon Hunt or something like that. And then you could make a, like a, a convex model. And you could lock up your Doquan Hunt tokens. Um, oh, you want to bring could... this to DeFi? Yeah, exactly. Naturally. You can you can sort of make it a bit more elaborate, and uh, and that way people won't complain. This like you know, oh, we're just printing tokens. It's like no, 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 we're printing tokens and we're locking them up immediately. So now that changes everything. Yeah, like a kill, the killer app might be like using Luna Classic and Luna for this. Like you could bet with either token, right? Um, where basically. Like we create a bounty. Like once the bounty gets big enough, like it's like a million dollars or ten million or something, someone in in the inner circle is going to be like, "Ooh, we're going to turn this fucker in, right? Like we're going to send him off to South Korea or whatever, and uh, maybe call the authorities." So it's simply a matter of putting up a sufficient bounty, right? Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, one of the, one of the things I got out of the thing was, Doe has a second passport. And we know it's not a U.S. passport because he has clearly stated before he doesn't have a U.S. passport. So it must be one of the countries which offer bought, uh, passports to try to hunt him down. Um, yeah, probably. Um, now, it's easier to get multiple passports. Um, like if you're in the U.S., it's harder to get multiple like primary passports like to be like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, dual citizenships and things like this. But it's, I don't think it's as hard in other countries to get multi-citizenship types of arrangements. Um, I, I would presume he's in Singapore, um, is, would be my guess, but I don't know. Well, they, the Singapore authorities said he's not there. I mean, I would guess he's 
in the Caribbean where there are lots of places where you can write a check and get a passport. Well, we, we know he didn't get there via like a traditional like transport really? mechanism, like an airplane or something, right? Like if, well, not only that, we don't know that either. We don't like the Singapore authorities thing. Like, like how, how do you know that those reports in the media are, are true? That's true. And exactly. Which reporting are we going by here? I don't yeah. know where most of those sources come from. Well, on the whole, I kind of felt uh, that he, Laura at least extracted an I'm sorry out of him. Uh, I think a little more uh, remorse for the people who have suffered in UST. Nassau I'm not one of them. Yeah, yeah I'm going to have the, I'm going to take the opposite take on that. I'm going to say this, like I deal with suicide all the time. People kill themselves literally every day for every sort of stupid thing you can possibly imagine. This is what I do for a living. And um, most of the reasons why people do it, um, whether it's various levels of depression, various different problems in their life, any sort of financial system, uh, any kind of stock you could own, like if you own enough of it, right, there is a reason to, uh, I think, be very depressed and whatever. Um, this idea that somehow you're going to hold an individual of a company or something like that responsible when like there's no credible evidence of some kind of scam going on. Um, I think he should apologize for absolute fucking nothing. No, no, it's not that he should apologize for something showing empathy, empathy. Uh, a little more would have been you know, that, helpful. This is, this is a mistake. Like this, this nonsense will be used against you. Like the, the, it'll be like, Oh, look, he showed empathy. So therefore he admits to being uh, um, like amidst a wrongdoing. It just doesn't work in the public square. It just doesn't work. Like, I think it's a mistake to even attempt it. That's just my take on this. I, like, if you haven't run a company, I think you, it's hard to understand like what this is, but you, you can't basically go and apologize for it. Number one, first off, like, is it really clear how many supposed suicides or whatever actually occurred as a result of this? I lost a lot of money. I'm not dead. I don't know anybody in my circle of people that has used Luna or UST that's dead. There could be some suicides out there, which, you know, happened with like the crash of Apple stock. It happened, the crash of the dot-com bubble, like tons and tons of people die every day for all sorts of stupid reasons. Um, you know, committing suicide or something like this, I guess is possible from financial disasters, but like that's because people put too much money in a nascent system. Like he didn't say, go put your life savings into this thing ever. Right. So like to have to apologize for people making individual monetary decisions is absolutely inappropriate. I think it's a mistake for him to even do such a thing. Well, um, well one, of, one of the reasons that people like Fat Man Terra has such a following, it might be because now, uh, the reason he has a big following is most people are losers. That's the that's the reason why he has a large following. That's just Twitter. How that's just how social media works. That's just going to be the harsh reality here. I think if you if you believe in anything like. If you believe in an ethos that that fast, Fat Man Terra describes, you shouldn't be in crypto at all. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Right? Like if you have a tendency to want to kill yourself, if you have like problems with monetary systems, you shouldn't be an investor at all. Right. Period. Like I don't think it makes sense for you to even be here. Um, like so. Yeah. Like if you look at the mob, the mob mentality is going to do things like cl make claims that. Now, first of all, a lot of Fat Man Terra stuff has no evidence behind it. Let, let's just start with that. So if you're following that and you're like, wait a minute, show me the proof for a lot of these things that you said. Like, there is no proof. It's, uh, and a lot of uh, media articles that have come out have not produced any proof either about a whole lot of anything.
So, and you no, just look that, at how that man Terra has a bunch of data where, where I got it from. He, he says a lot of stuff. I know he's based in Britain, but he has a lot of stuff. So he has somebody giving him something to work with. Right. Yeah. But just like having some arbitrary numbers about something without no, uh, like understanding of like what the meaning of the actual numbers actually is. Like, what does that tell us? Like, I haven't gleaned anything. I haven't heard anything particularly fresh or new. I didn't see like Laura Shin go through the nuances of anything he's produced and said, Hey, look, these things are verified as being real. Right. Like you're, this is just all hearsay. As far as I'm concerned, this is not like some court, right? There's no evidence trail. There's no, there's no, uh, like, have you ever been in a courtroom? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, like what? What about this situation? Looks like courtroom evidence. Nothing. No, no, none of it. None of it. In fact, I think uh, I mean, what's his name? Doe came across as very credible. I mean, to me, but that yeah, I, I have create, a, like. I'll tell you this right now: if I create an account, right? If I create an account saying I think Doe Kwan should be destroyed and he should go to jail, like I'm going to get a lot of followers for it. Like I can, I can guarantee it. If I put a lot of negative bullshit out there. I can get a lot of followers quite quickly doing that. It's just called engagement farming, right? People are pissed. They want to, like, they want to grab on to whoever says something negative. Um, but that's not like how, you know, law works. And there's certainly nothing that, like, he's provided that has made me make better choices as an investor, right? Like, so, like, how am I using this information exactly? Not no, all, he, right? he's just trying to be a Twitter hero and make maybe make some money in the process. I don't know. What's his goal, what his goal is, but uh, it appears that he had some information from somewhere. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, I'd be curious to like get a full accounting of this information and see how useful it turns out to be. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, anyone can say anything on here, right? That's the thing. But uh, so yeah, like, so for example, the the accusations you can make with marginal amounts of data without a clear like concept of what the actual information may or may not mean. Uh, you can say almost anything about anybody, right? Like I could start saying, I'm going to go online and say, well, Pete Altera uh, has done this, 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 and this. And I have this like evidence to show it. Like, like who's going to investigate that evidence to prove that it's true or false. Right. Like that's a whole nother thing. So I don't know. I, I haven't seen um, people like Zach or anybody else come out and try to really like, um, like uh, publicly destroy uh, Do Kwan as being like an outright scammer or something like that. Um, and he was actually fairly available for conversations about questions about almost any of these things uh, the prior year. So if you were on Twitter spaces or whatever and chatted with him, like he was pretty open about like, you know, whatever questions, um, you know, people might've had, you had people that say, for example, didn't like LFG or the idea of it. And then you had other people that really loved it. They're like, Ooh, this is going to bring, you know, Bitcoin into something useful. Finally, um, you had all sorts of dissenting opinions. Um, and of course, you know, like literally every opinion you could possibly imagine about him, about Terra, about UST was floating out there on, on Twitter. Um, the public had the choice of basically like picking between all of these data points and deciding for themselves whether this was going to be uh, like useful or not, right? So I don't know. It uh, you, know, you, know, I, I, you know, you know what's also interesting. I think about Do Kwon is basically um, he's like the target now for anything that's going to happen down the road. If there's ever some money to reappear in his name or around him, I mean, it's it's just the most stupid thing you could do from a thief's 
perspective just yeah, right. <laughs> right in the front of the whole thing, right, and steal the money and think you can get away with it. I mean, he, they probably just constructed something that had a abysmal flaw in it, right? And there were some guys that just said, yeah, well, look, this is how you exploit that and how you steal all the money without any legal repercussions, right? I would say an obvious uh, flaw in the system was actually introduced by um, the was actually introduced by folks like Binance. So it's interesting how like the Binance is somehow like the sort of like savior of uh, Luna Classic or some shit because of some burn mechanism. But the reality is, is that Binance should not have included UST or Luna, nor should have KuCoin if either of the major uh, exchanges felt like they could not provide um, 100% remittance one-to-one with other stable coins and UST. And also they offered things like different exchanges offered the ability to sort of like short um, these exact positions, you know, that uh, uh, people are worried about. So if anything, like you should go after the centralized exchanges and say, hey, what the fuck? Like these people made us lose a lot of money. It wasn't actually the failure of necessarily the direct algorithmic mechanism. It was, in my view, one failure was like the failure of TFL to sit down with exchanges and say, hey, look, uh, can you provide one-to-one um, remittance instantaneously off-chain for stable exactly. on, on the technical yeah, side, do, do you actually uh, know exactly how that Oracle function? I mean, basically, UST mints Luna, right? When it, when it loses the pack, that was basically the thing that was built into the blockchain itself, right? So they couldn't stop the whole thing because it was just what it was doing, right? I mean... That's that's built yeah, into that's, terror, that's the right? normal function of how the volatility absorption exactly. works. So but the question is, I'm not saying anyone what? should have stopped it. What I'm saying is, because no. if you stop it, by the way, it would immediately cause people to lose faith in the system. The whole thing goes to zero as well. No, Don't no, no. That. The question is basically, where does the blockchain get the Oracle information from? You know, there's some kind of physical connection to a validator where they actually get the UST price and uh, measured against what and where it depacks, you know? I mean, that's the key entry point when you yeah, want to get the attack vector. Early on, they were using band and later on, they were in the process of implementing various levels of chain link. But this, this particular situation was not an Oracle failure. That's not what happened in this particular scenario. The, the chain actually functioned appropriately. Um, it was the inability for like on-chain activity to keep up with um, off-chain activity, and I find it interesting that like take for example Coinbase was perfectly fine with listing assets like Wrapped Luna. They were perfectly fine with listing um, uh, like and and then on top of that, they closed transactions to their users at the time when they most needed to make transactions. Um, and like Brian Armstrong and CZ, like none of these fuckers have apologized for any of the shenanigans that they actually helped produce. <laughs> like, it's actually kind of funny how, uh, how, like uh, who the blame falls upon when, um, and not only that, but look at Celsius. Remember like Celsius was one of the big, um, withdrawers from anchor before this crash happened as well. So it wasn't just the three pool. Um, curve situation. There's a lot of other sort of like things that happen simultaneously. Um, but really, like, I think this, this larger question comes into also, like, why would KuCoin or Binance or whoever, why would they list um, something as a staple coin and even have it on their staple coin list? 
if they were not willing to produce a one-to-one remittance. I'll give you an example of this. If you go to today Coinbase and you were to go buy USDC today. So if I move a million dollars to Coinbase right now and I say convert USD to USDC, Coinbase is willing to provide that transaction one-to-one with no fees, right? Why were they listing things like Wrapped Luna when they weren't sufficiently confident enough to provide a one-to-one remittance for UST, for example? Why didn't Binance implement this? Why didn't KuCoin implement this? So they basically implemented Luna UST as an experimental model. They behaved as if, and they, they were uh, like perfectly fine with the idea that they were willing to call it stable. In fact, Binance had like, uh, I don't know, not PDFs, but like, yeah, like PDF style explanatory shit, right? Remember that? Like they were like providing um, information about Terra and they were providing like educational materials about UST. And of course, just imagine the, the amount of additional investment that this reels in, right? As soon as Binance and KuCoin and all these biggest changes go, go and list that stuff, Coinbase included. Yeah. So then no, you get a lot so more money flowing in. Do Kwan has to go to prison, then so does CZ and so does Brian Armstrong. Hmm. Good point. So anyway, unless you want uh, like the entire crypto infrastructure closed down, there are a lot of counterparties to what happened to Terry. Like or whatever, like like you don't see a whole lot of people blaming Mike Novogratz for dumping on all the Luna investors at the top of the market. Remember that? Like so, it was like uh, like so. There was a lot of uh, interesting shenanigans that happened, um, and the system wasn't large enough or robust enough to handle all that at the time. So I, I don't like me personally. I don't really blame like Doe directly for this. I knew all these risk factors, and I had a lot of money in um, the ecosystem, as did Bruce here and others. Like so. And you don't see us like, you know, lighting up the uh, torches to uh, set them on fire. <laughs> so anyway. One of, one of the things that I noticed in the interview was that there's a fairly innocuous explanation for basis cash that Doe gave. I mean, it was, I mean, if you read all of the media, there was a huge thing about basis cash. He knew it was going to fail and all of that. But it looks like it is a, just an experimental thing with very little impact I don't know. Is a tiny little bullshit project it's meaningless essentially just noise i would ignore all of that it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything like i think he just made the point that he was sort of like quasi shilling the thing or hanging out on their telegram and they released it it failed and it was a tiny little thing it was a meaningless project essentially yeah yeah people people use that whole basis cash like oh he's run a scam before so this was all conscious <laughs> like you know the the fact that this thing existed before means that this next one is conscious, but it was like it's yeah, it's in reality it's nothing. It's just a an experiment before that he was uh, he claims to be kind of tangentially associated with, not even designing it or anything like that. I would point out that actually compared to where Luna's price was at the top and where it is now, like Ethereum did just as badly right and you don't have people coming up to you don't have laura shin interviewing vitalik and ask how many of the suicides that were caused by ethereum's crash were yeah. uh like does he feel sorry for none of the fuckers on twitter are sitting there going after vitalik for the exact same thing right like and the the price action was is was quite wicked for ethereum i don't know if you guys have been around for a while but yeah. it was like it was a disaster right and how many how many people has satoshi nakamoto killed of the past 13 years all of that time 
uh, people's hopes, people who've tried to long it and got liquidated, people who lost money, people who put their their life savings in and it's you know gone down by five x or whatever. Or people again, that buy like, or people that use Bitcoin to like you know subjugate North Korean children. Yeah, all of that. Like, what? Why do we think that since we don't know who he is, that he's less guilty in some way? Why hasn't there been a manhunt? I reckon at least ten thousand people have have died due to Bitcoin liquidations over the last like thirteen years. Like easily, surely. Like, and I think Do Kwon's uh, kill count is probably only about five at most. So, like, why are we targeting him? I, I don't get it. Is it- yeah, like the the who is is it CZ who actually turned down the amount of leverage you could take on Binance way after he made a fuck ton of money. You come from this God, corner, you know God how many people how did people Elon die. kill? Yeah. So. Oh yeah. So, and, yeah and go ahead. Think about the amount of people that that CZ has killed with his like deleveraging on Binance and and the liquidations and running the whole perpetual shit. And all, all of the margin trading and everything. How many people has that guy killed by just offering that service? If you're going to lock up the the head of Silk Road or whatever else, these or Pirate Bay or whatever, um, these these platforms for for trading of, of information or drugs or whatever else, then you sure as fuck need to lock up CZ because he has killed hundreds of thousands of people. Interestingly, the guy um, that uh, you know, the Silk Road founder, or whatever, who's still in prison, right? Um, I forget his name off the top of my head. I should know it. Um, but uh, like, think about this: like, the, the 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 how many crimes have been committed on the Apple iPhone because of encryption? And um, you know, we don't have like Tim Cook's head on a pike, right? I'm sure kidnappings and all sorts of like nefarious things have been attributed to like encryption on smartphones but we haven't locked up uh you know the, the ceo of apple yet or or for that matter we didn't like lock up steve jobs or whoever the fuck so like so many like of these sort of ancillary sort of things where people have to commit uh, like uh, uh, apologize for other people either having mm-hmm. suffered from crimes from technology or like have to apologize for suicides or god knows what else like that's pretty much on you when you pick up your technology that's just your problem at that point in my view yeah, it's really strange overall. It's kind of like something bad happens. And then if if a clear narrative or a story can be produced and pushed very strongly, very quickly, th- that becomes like the new evil. And then the whole of like the, the public consciousness or whatever shifts to that thing. It's very strange. His name was, uh, are you talking about like Ross Ulbricht, I think? Yeah, Ulbricht, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's always like that. It's, it's, it's so fucking weird how people treat these different mediums in a different way. And like one becomes the enemy, another thing just becomes like unnoticed, like phones or the internet or whatever else. Um, and then we're, yeah, it's just, it's odd. It's like an, I don't know, it's like the, I don't know, it's like, a ref- I see it like a reflection of the average level of intelligence, which is really fucking stupid. If it's hey, obvious, no one blames Swef- Smith and Wesson, for example, right? <laughs> yeah, the Chinese invented gunpowder, so they're at fault for like all sorts of travesties. Uh, Jonathan, what's up? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, yep, so uh, I made some really good shots in the last month with Luna, like when it did go from 196 to like $7.67 or something like that. Uh, and with USDC after, but in a week, it lost a, a lot of movement. Uh, did, did you hear anything about that supposed 
burn of 40, 42% of the supply because I'm getting tired to bleed uh, alive, you know? Wait, so you're tired of being alive? So no, 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 to bleed to be alive burned? because I'm losing my gains right now for over six days. And uh, I heard about a burn about the supply of USDC, about 40, 42% of it. Uh, do, do you know anything about that? Who 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 promised you that? Uh, nobody promised it. to speak about it to reestablish re the movement of USDC because they, they burn Luna, uh, Luna Classic all the time, but they don't burn much uh, of the USDC supplies. So the community of USDC spoke about a burn, and there's a allegation that it will happen. Uh, did Duquan did the interview today? Is it live? Yeah, it's live, but I haven't heard about any USTC burn. I'm not sure why anyone would destroy like $170 million worth of USTC for no reason. <laughs> it's a little hopeful. I think, I think people have to like uh, forget about how much they invested and start using common sense. Like, why would these things be true? Like, where are you reading these things? It's just weird. I'm not sure even where like people would come up with the idea that was true. Mm -hmm. It's very strange. Well, thank you for confirming that it's only a rumor. So, uh, and I'll go check what Duquan have to say yeah. uh, on that live interview we got. Thank you, sir. There are there are plans to to get USTC back to one dollar, but it's in the realm of of kind of research and proposal right now. It's nothing nothing certain. Um, but yeah, it's like whenever you talk about a burn or something, you got to remember that somebody is destroying that money that could otherwise be converted to like. USDT or cash in the bank or whatever, um, and they don't owe you anything. So we have a fat man, Tara, but we also have a thin man, Tara, who is here now to speak to you guys. Thin man, uh, do you have any like questions or comments? Uh, yes, thank you. It's actually slightly less thin man I ate the other day. Um, I, I initially came on just to echo your point about how the apology, if anything, was the wrong move. It's almost like if you're in a car accident, the last thing you want to say is I'm sorry, because you're almost accepting guilt. Um, and then on top of that, you uh, brought up Batman and why he has so many followers. I think a classic example is, why does he have so many followers for spouting bullshit, and yet me, who speaks nothing but the truth, am hovering around a thousand? Because Look he's going after emotion. The funny thing is, Jay Kwan, the founder of Cosmos, has, I think, sub 20,000 followers. And Fat Man Terra, who's contributed nothing, has over 100,000. That tells <laughs> you sort so of the state ridiculous. of the crypto Twitter. The crypto Twitter, Twitter dimwits and morons. This is the state of the, the world. No, no, so, but it's the same thing everywhere. The people want to be bullshitted, you know. It doesn't work without that. It's just the truth of the world, you know. Yeah, people are largely just morons. That's, that's, like, a, that's like a first step in understanding cryptocurrency. Like, it's the first step in marketing. It's the first step in like in in the nature of this like you have to understand kind of how human beings behave and then you market to that and um you know if you, like if you want a certain type of audience you'll get it right you just have to say the right things um right. it's almost so like the news it's, it's not about saying that people don't look for the truth people look for what they want to hear so when people lost money or felt other people lost money they wanted someone to tell them that it wasn't their fault that they had someone to blame that, you know, they never made any mistake. It was all Doquan's fault. So people ate that shit up. And this is why we have that. I think yeah, I mean, if, if myself or Bruce or Pirate here or anybody else like bought too much Luna and price went down, 
that's our fault for buying too much. That's not everybody else's fault. That's not Doquan's fault. That's not Twitter's fault. And it's not YouTube's fault. You just have to decide like what risks are you willing to take in anything, crypto or anything else, and make a decision. Like you could go to a theme park, get on a roller coaster, and sometimes those things crash. But a lot of people get on them anyway, just for fun. And they take that risk because they're like, ah, the odds of me crashing on this thing or falling out of the fucking roller coaster are small enough. I'm just going to do it. But everybody knows periodically those things go off the rails or people fall out or some shit and people die. So, um, but, or but a guy uh, like maybe a guy like you comes in the middle of the night, sneaks into the theme park with his wrench and undoes a few things. And then like, yeah, yeah that- sabotage. Yeah. Like, yeah, sometimes I'll, I've known to do that, like at Disney World theme parks, you know, Space Mountain. If you've ever been on that thing, you want to be careful because, yeah, the, that happens. It's, it, I think it's, it's just, I don't know, somehow astonishing to me how few people actually take personal responsibility for things. Like, I don't know, throughout my life, I've always had this big kind of sense of like this, um, I don't know how to describe it, like an internal level of control and responsibility and whatever happens in my life is down to me. And, you know, if, if there's some kind of effect of my actions, then, then it's just, it, it's a hundred percent me. Um, even if that's not a hundred percent true, uh, I'm going to feel that way on a, on a practical level because it's the best way to be and to learn, you know, if I blame. Exactly. Yeah. Periodically what I do is like, if I'm really feeling down, right. I'll blame the big bang. Yeah. Know, the beginning of the universe, because like, why not? Yeah. Like middle fingers at the big bang, but, but otherwise I just don't have that experience of life and to see so many fucking people blaming others for their decisions when it's something so fucking, it's like immeasurably internally your responsibility to invest in a brand new novel domain in an experimental technology where the risks are outlined in the white paper and, and your percentage of whatever your net worth is to invest it. Uh, it's like it, there, there are so many levels of internal responsibility in your decision-making there that it's just, it's just fucking insane for me to blame others. It's such a childlike babyish thing to do. I don't and this know. comes from both of us who probably had way too much money in Terra, right? So oh. like, it's not to say that we didn't uh, like believe in the system. We, we wanted it to work. No, but, but we understood that um, there's a massive upside. The, the capturing of the entire stablecoin market, you know, a decentralized, hopefully unregulated, reasonably well um, stablecoin that could be the base of these decentralized Web3 economies. Like we, we saw that upside and we were like, that's a thing worth betting on, even if it has a massive downside as well. You know, there's obviously risk of failure. It's implicit in all of these technologies. It's It's just like people like me and you, Steph, you would just know it going in, right? Like you go into these novel domains with experiments happening all the time where they're not proven, they're not Lindy or whatever. Um, there's a risk. It's just implicit. Uh, there's no there's no way to play. I, I kind of compare it to being a samurai as well. You know, in the old samurai texts and things, the, the whole meditation was like, when you go into bat- battle, you need to imagine that you're already dead. And by being already dead, then there's no fear. And I think that's quite a beautiful thing. And I, I, I thought the same about cryptocurrency. Like, imagine you're already dead because <laughs> it's kind of like that, right? And then everything else is a bonus. Yeah, Tan, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, just one thing that I, uh, one thought that I had about stable coins a while ago, and it always, 
I, I mean, we were basically just um, looking into the banking system. Like if you look at Singapore with all their banks and, and what do banks do? They provide liquidity, right? For companies that need credits, for business transactions, for someone who wants to pump a stock or a certain cryptocurrency or whatever they want to do with the money, but they provide liquidity, right? And I think the basic access to liquidity are stable coins in in, 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 in a decentralized system, right? And they don't have to be necessarily backed by anything. It's the same in the real world. I mean, you see how these banks can blow up and they have to make uh, additional regulations and whatnot. So it doesn't happen, but it still happens as you can read every day in the news, right? But basically yeah, the money comes Actually, out of nowhere, right? You know, an interesting thing to realize is that the fact that the, like in the US at least, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, uh, where it you know, uh, insures your money in a, an American bank for $250,000 or whatever that number is now. Um, the fact that that has to exist tells you two things. That like, no matter how like, smart the system might be, um, it, is, can always screw it, it is going to fail. Right? It's yeah. the concession that failure is going to happen. When people put money in a regular bank, they assume safety. Um, that actually doesn't exist. So the fact that you have to have an insurance company for this at all tells you that the probability of failure is so high that it's worth insuring this for the supposed common man, right? Um, the common man is also the least likely to understand like what the FDIC actually does or doesn't do or what like, l let's say a global event happens that re requires like the FDIC fund to be drained of uh, like the insurance fund or pool or whatever. Um, you know, that like there isn't actually there's not enough money actually to support that. So the entire FDIC system is by and large a scam because there is no like it's a bigger scam than, say, Terra would be in terms of remittances. If you want to call Terra a scam, then you should just simply call the like continental United States a scam as well, Soothing because people, right? that money is That's not the only there. thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, it just soothes the people, you know, there's, oh, the government is, is having our back, right? If something happens, Jay Powell will come and wire me those 250K, something like that, right? That's more <laughs> yeah. of a, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's more or less the, okay, that's stupid, you know, they go like out there, it's like, yeah, Jay Powell's going to wire me that money back if, if Diamond screws up, right? Something like that. I mean, people are really like, that's stupid when it comes to these things. And I think um, the, the biggest problem that we have now is that they, they, they use currency as a tool of war at the moment, right? You see what the ruble does, you see what these other currencies are doing. You see these massive swaps every day happening. I mean, look at these exchange rates. I and mean, every time they do such a swap, the RICS is completely crushed and the SPX moves, right? It goes, and there's a, there's a lot of money, you know, they, they throw billions around just to exchange and it's all central bank money, which is completely out of thin air, right? It's just, they just play along with the balance sheets basically. And they're, they're using it as a, as a tool of war, right? To crush uh, the guys that they don't like. And I think this doesn't end well, you know. Oh yeah, every time a country goes to war, like uh, the amount of financial fallout and the winners and losers in those, in those situations are extreme to say the least, right? Um, you, you could be a completely benign individual, say in Russia, and um, everybody goes to war, like you know, Russia, the government decides to go do something, Ukraine does something, blah, blah, blah. The, the businessman that's sitting around in Russia who has no fucking clue what has happening here, just realized that their import-export business has gone to oblivion. The value of the ruble has gone to oblivion. Like, uh, and you know, their their 
reserve asset that they're using to transact for their business has you know taken a, a nosedive or whatever it is. And um, like, and it's all outside of the control of that individual business person. Should that business person then go and kill themselves? That's the question I think we should ask here. Um, are we going to blame only, Putin the, for suicides? The, I guess the only difference probably between a Russian person and a U.S. citizen is that since 1880, the Russians defaulted five times, I think, on their <laughs> government bonds completely. It went to zero, right? And in the U.S., you haven't experienced that so far. So the pe people are kind of um, not so sensitive to that whole thing and still believe that they this can this won't happen, right? Because you have that kind of thing not happening for since ever, right? You're saying the, the, the expectations have been managed at this point. Yes, greatly, yeah. <laughs> to say, well, now, say now, crypto, now crypto expectations have been managed. Celsius, Voyager, Terra and a, a dozen or more like bridge hacks. And uh, here we are, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, it's very unfortunate. I mean, the, one of the biggest problems I think is that all these concepts, they just have to be tested because no one can really think them through from A to the end, right? And um, because we are talking about software, basically. So um, the problem with uh, software is basically it's a state machine, right? So you just modify the state. And if someone just does something wrong with that state or not what's supposed to be, and no one ever thought of it, you call it a hack. Other people just say, yeah, well, you just let, let the program do something that what it should 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 have been doing when it gets these instructions, right? And and these kind of things, they have to be tested, you know, it's like this. You remember Windows 95 or was it 98? That always crashed. You always had this blue, and then uh, it was 95, right? And then it came out in 98, and then it worked. You know, so they found a fix for the whole thing. And I think the same thing is basically what we have to go through with crypto. You know, we see this whole thing rebooting all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. Is the unfortunate thing is that it costs you a lot of money if you invest in the in, in, the, in the wrong moment, right? Hey, Pirate, what's your take on this uh, drama? Should, is Do Kwan a saint or a sinner? I think anyone who thinks uh, Do Kwan is a sinner is probably stupid, reckless, and irresponsible with their financial decisions. Um, they should probably take some responsibility for themselves. And I understand that people have been devastated uh, by their own financial problems. And, like, you know, I, I lost a lot of money too, but trying to blame Do Kwan is, like, crying that santa claus didn't visit your house when you got no presents like it's not it's just an invisible enemy for weak people with weak characters who don't know they, they can't blame themselves because they don't even know who they are so they have no accountability for their own actions and i just think it's it's quite sad really that we even have to still have this conversation because it just shows how the vast majority of people have no self-awareness um yeah <laughs> Well, you're you're sort of complicit in the the deaths of who knows how many countless people, pirate. Because you remember, uh, you were talking about your love of um, like you know iPhones and things like that, right? And as a result of that, people bought the top of Apple stock, and then what happened was is like they um, they they did a lot leverage long positions on the market, right? And they took your like excitement about iPhones and Apple stock and they decided to buy too much and now their life savings have been wiped out. What do you say to that? Like, how are you going to apologize to these people's families for you having caused all these suicides? 
please apologize to everybody. Um, okay, yeah, I will. I'm everyone, everyone listening. I am genuinely deeply sorry from the bottom of my heart that you are stupid, that you are an idiot, that you listen to what other people say above your own thoughts and that your wife left you because I'm sure that the cryptocurrency wasn't, and the Apple stock, sorry, wasn't the only reason why that happened. It was probably a long, long culmination of a lot of different factors. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing your truth. I, I've seen a number of funny Twitter conversations, Sefi, where, whereas like that video was posted earlier at the interview with Laura Shin and somebody was like, he still didn't apologize. And then somebody else commented on the, the, the reply chain. They were like, actually, at, at like one hour X, he did apologize. He said, sorry for this. And then the person follows up who was originally angry. And they're like, well, an apology doesn't make up for billions of dollars of lost. <laughs> it never ends. It's like, they're not happy. Even the apology, when it comes, it's like, it was the wrong apology. It's not enough. Words don't make up for this. It's like, what the fuck do you want, you freaks? Well, this is actually the same, the, this mechanism that people have in their heads with stuff like this. It's why Christ was actually murdered, because they, they can't take it. They can't handle the heat. Yeah, crucifixion is a thing. What, what this is as well, it's, it's like a mass cancellation. Uh, it, it's like, it's the same thing. It's, it's literally like cancel culture, except here there's, there's some financial loss as well. So it kind of, it's like a massive um, catalyst or a, a kind of a justification of the thing. But when you actually separate like the actual evidence and the actual responsibility um, in Do Kwon's hands and everything that happened and stuff, 99% of this thing is, a, is a, like one big cancel. And it's like this weird, it's another thing as well is like the interesting social dynamics to observe Sefi as well. Like for example, um, someone like Fat Man appears and the interesting thing to everyone in the old community is that nobody in the old community agrees with or supports Fat Man in any way. So everyone who was here in the past, who were actually- Yeah, actually good, that's true. I'm practically nobody, right? Like pr so, at least so, nobody that we know. Everyone here in the past who was building and investing and lost millions and millions of dollars and were wrecked the biggest in terms of time and money and emotional investment, and I, I guess you call it like identity investment in the community, uh, none of them support Fatman in the slightest. He's, we've never liked his tweets. We've never agreed with anything. Um, he's, he, he sort of emerged and almost claimed to be a spokesperson for the wreck community or something. But none of us who have lost money have ever... <laughs> validated or agreed with anything he's ever said. And if you scroll down his tweets and like, say, you take some of his like bigger, bigger, higher like tweets and stuff, and you look at the people who like that, nobody in the old community is liking them. I don't know any of them. And I, I knew probably like 10,000 people. Sefi, I think, knew more like 50,000 people. I don't think we've personally seen anyone we know liking or supporting his tweets ever. It, it's like brand new. But it's 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 a weird thing. It's like it's like uh, some of them are bots. Some of them are like three follower accounts. Some of them are kind of in dissociated communities that had nothing to do with terror at all. Like maybe in the Ethereum community or something. And they're like, oh, look at that scam over there. We told you so because many of them had been um, kind of a little bit spiteful about terror because you know it it was claiming to be better in some ways or. Um, you know, gain a higher yield or whatever else. So they had a bit of background resentment for that and Doquan's tweets and things. But like nobody who I knew, um, and certainly nobody smart blames Doquan or has any kind of resentment. And none of them at all 
have ever liked a tweet by Fat Man. <laughs> he just appeared out of nowhere. And now, the it, does make, it does make sense, though, for people that have a lot of money on open shorts, uh, like a GCR or somebody like that. And I'm not, I'm not uh, saying that this particular account yeah, did anything. Yeah. I'm just saying it, it does have, there is a financial incentive for people with open short activity to That's go right. out and actually like, use a, like, hire a bot network to basically add a lot of followers to the person who has like, the highest negative like approach like yeah. this happened to myself Midas and a bunch of other people right as Terra's crashing um there was a massive botnet um like that came in and added like follower like follows to myself and Midas and a bunch mm -hmm. of other people like I don't have fucking 68,000 followers whatever the hell it is at least half of those are bots right and that the the because you can see the difference between when organic people that you have just met like follow you for some reason and when the botnet comes and takes over and like you have like 20,000 followers within minutes or some bullshit yeah, and yeah. you're like, wait, what happened here? What happened was, is that um, at the time when the crash was happening, they figured people who are Terra fans are going to continue to post things about Terra that they believe are positive as, and use that sentiment to drive like money into the system and perhaps provide exit liquidity for like people who, or, or like, or people who are using like, um, yeah, like basically who need exit liquidity. Um, and yeah, it's interesting how like the follower accounts can be manipulated um, to like enhance a certain message by certain people because you know they're going to post a certain way. It's an interesting manipulation of the system. I've learned a lot from watching it like transpire. Yeah. I think yeah. uh, people just don't realize how much they are being manipulated by like specific systems forget about DeFi or whatever like these botnets are clearly run by centralized actors i don't know if it's fucking north korea or just whoever the fuck but like no question there's nefarious shit going on for sure <laughs> so and this isn't one of those like weird like conspiracy ideas it's like you can watch it happen in real time yeah yeah and you're like wait where the fuck do all these people come from <laughs> like you know and they're not real yep and even if you know it's it's an interesting thing as well because even if you know they're bots um or just these kind of i don't know like in during the terror crash when there were all these bots like ust is dead da, da, da. even if you know that it's it's really fucking um it wears you out to read you know what it's like running lunk sometimes at least in the early days it was like i post something and it was like a thousand negative comments immediately and i'm like what the, where is this even coming from um, but it was like boring to read because it takes your time. Even if it means nothing to you, it takes your time. And it's like, Jesus Christ, how do I sort out the genuine people and the people who have a real message or whatever, the real supporters? It's, it's just kind of a constant bombardment. Um, and it's still like that now. Earlier when the, the Laura Shin interview was posted, uh, literally within seconds, like 30 comments, scammer, 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 dokwon scammer, why isn't he in jail? <laughs> All this stuff. It's like, what the fuck is going on? They haven't even watched a second of it. It's like automatic. It's, it's yeah, I don't know. It's a weird world we live part in. Of it's, part of it is those are follower, those are accounts that are just doing engagement because the robots want more uh, people to follow. Like the robot, uh, the, so the robot itself wants followers so that you can sell followers later um, on secondary markets for these like Twitter mm -hmm. accounts. That's one part of it. Um, but another part of it is like they were probably programmed and set aside but like nobody ever turned the fucking things off. <laughs> they just keep doing the same thing. It's yeah. really, really uh, funny. It's hard to understand like fully the motivations. And there's probably more than it's like, welcome to decentralized world. There's probably more than one, you know, like. Sophie, 
you know, there's actually one thing about this Twitter bot. So I've, I've been staying for quite a while in China, right? And I have seen these this mobile phone farms where they really line up like 100, 200 mobile phones. And they're all run by software. So it emulates movements and engagements. So they, they do real, like whatever they do on these Chinese apps to actually get get likes and whatnot. And they, they scammed even Amazon. They sent empty boxes to, for example, Germany here to, to actually get good um, reviews on, on some shitty products. And that's why they get, get got into trouble in 2021, right? But when it comes to Twitter, I mean, probably Twitter has way too few users. So they actually really like these botnets because kind of they make up for a bigger number and it's easier for them to sell the advertisement to Geico or whatever the advertiser is because you have to show some metrics, right? And there's something that's that has to be validated by some internet providers. They say, wow, they, they get so much engagement and there's so much tweets here and so much people see these kind of things. Yeah. Something like that, you know. So it's a big scam, if you ask me. Hey, Wayne, yes. did you have some comment? Or yeah, I just had a, I had kind of a different, I had kind of a different point of view about uh, Do Kwan. I know that it's like, first and foremost, you should always like have some self, some um, control and, you know, always take responsibility for your financial um, um, investments. But uh, I was kind of reading an adversary proceeding and it was about a doctor um, who prescribed a, a cheaper form of penicillin. And uh, so it, it, the patient then sued the doctor for, um, and it actually ended up in bankruptcy. That's what an adversary proceeding is. But it, I mean, he won hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the doctor's um, reasoning for prescribing a, um, a cheaper form of penicillin. So in terms of like the people who call themselves victims, them going through the kind of the civil courts to try to get, um, you know, some sort of financial or, uh, I don't actually have a problem with that. I mean, you look at the legal system, I mean, they should go, and you, you could sue each other for any, you could sue people for anything. So, I mean, I don't have any problems with them suing kind of Terraform Labs and, and Do Kwan. Yeah, it's just part of the thing. And then of course that means that like, what ends up happening is, is that like in the medical, uh, like which I know very well, what that means is that there is a counterattack to that, which is uh, you'll have lots of frivolous lawsuits as well, right? Obviously. So, um, what will end up happening is that means that every single, say, for example, doctor or crypto founder or whatever, you know, is going to end up taking insurance out on themselves. And when they do that, that cost that is borne by a business, like, for example, if you own a business, uh, at least in the United States, like generally you're going to own some general liability insurance, especially if you have a certain size of customers and a certain size of like property and whatnot. And um, that cost of doing business you're also going to pass on to consumers. So at the end of the day, like all that ends up happening is, is the cost of everything goes up and the supposed little guy that um, you're saving with these sort of like policies, um, there's a yin and yang to it in that like, yeah, you're, you're maybe doling out um, a money periodically for some perceived error or mistake or whatever, but like the, the socialization of those costs simply means that everything just costs you more. Right. Like that's like take for the same thing happens in like when you use the MasterCard and Visa network. I don't know if you noticed, like you um, if you have a business and you're paying like anywhere between one and a half to two and a half percent fees to MasterCard or Visa to be able to accept those cards um, or American Express or whatever on your uh, like at your business. 
like Visa and MasterCard have a like set of funds that they have so that like if someone scams the card or something, like someone goes and spends 20 grand on your credit card on something that you didn't do and you call them and you tell them, hey, this was not me. I don't know who this was. I have no idea where this came from. They pretty much take your word for it for the most part and they return your funds immediately. And that's because they have already set aside an insurance fund and they've already charged businesses to pay into this insurance fund. And businesses have already added that to the price of the clothing or the goods and services that you're buying. And it's all baked into the system, this sort of insurance kind of concept. And actually, even for Terra and UST and everything, there were different types of insurance policies available for Anchor Protocol and others. I think Risk Harbor paid out quite a bit uh, for like DPEG insurance and whatever. And they they did that. Like a lot of people didn't actually take any of the types of insurance um, because they figured either the system worked or it didn't. And I'm not going to bother with insurance. And um, so there were all sorts of interesting options out there for people. um, And they didn't actually use them. It wasn't much. There was... um... There was a load. There was like three different types of insurance. There was the the DPEG insurance, which would pay out at like 0.95 or something, um, and then there was like I think smart contract risk or something else. It was comprehensive and covered all possible risks were covered. And I think, to my recollection, uh, it was only a two percent fee. That means the anchor rate standard was about twenty percent. I guess nineteen point five, whatever. But at twenty percent, you'd only have to pay two percent. Uh, so to take it down to eighteen percent uh and still gain a massive yield but be protected and yeah they paid out almost immediately after the dpeg um yeah is- if you, yeah in fact if you go on coinbase today uh like or any of the kind of more robust exchanges you'll find that like they have been raising fees at least in the united states considerably because the crypto marketplaces um in order to secure your funds to have insurance to have all sorts of off-chain or like, I'm sorry, off um, like hard wallet infrastructure to deal with your money and all this stuff uh, to find trusted people to handle the backend systems and do all of this stuff is turning out to be very expensive. So what's happening is, is the cost of business is high. And what's ended up happening is that the co- they're passing that on in transaction fees in many exchanges around the world. And right now, if you've noticed, uh, like Bruce was, you were taking advantage of this, Binance was making trading with BUSD, which is their sort of stablecoin, free on many trading pairs, I think you said. And the reason they're doing that is they're trying to sort of like uh, kill off all of the smaller exchanges, sort of like how Amazon made Prime uh, really cheap early on. So that, and they didn't make any money for years and years. And mm-hmm. sort of Binance is like doing highly predatory sort of um, like horizontal integration practices <laughs> or whatever you want yeah. to call them. And uh, like nobody ever says anything about them. It's no, interesting. CZ is one of the most evil men alive. He's also trying to kill off all the other stable coins, right? Like USDT and USDC and whatever, because um, all of them have fees on the exchanges. He's just trying to bring more and more, suck more and more and more into BUSD um, and ultimately kill everything else. Uh, yeah, every- once BUST's market cap exceeds like Tether, then that's when you'll see um, like all sorts of fees being added back and they'll use that as a, like, they're using it same way Doe used, like high anchor yields. Binance is using high, or I'm sorry, low fees structure to acquire more customers. And if you'll notice the Bitcoin uh, Binance, um, or Bitcoin USDT, Bitcoin BUSD, the volumes on Binance have just skyrocketed as a result of these practices, right? (laughs) So like the same exact things that are putting 
uh, at risk um, <clears throat> that put maybe Terra at risk or whatever, the types of incentive mechanisms that are like transient, uh, you see Binance doing the exact same things and, and like almost nobody says anything. Yep. M most evil man on the planet, in my opinion, CZ. What do you think Zeros is? Um, it's an interesting point to make. CZ, he certainly got a very, a very self-serving philosophy in becoming extremely rich. Um, a lot of people don't like that about someone if they make themselves very rich, as demonstrated by the whole terror thing. So um, having said that, I'd just like to just rewind a little bit. And I'd like to frame the whole terror thing in a certain way. Maybe it will help people to understand. So let's imagine you're on a theme park ride. And that's sort of the, the theme park ride represents um, finance and like the standard approach, like get a job, get a mortgage, uh, pay into your pension, and then you're going to be fine. Maybe you'll probably be all right. Statistically, you'll be fine. Um, going into crypto is like saying at the top of the theme park ride, you know what? I'm going to get out of this thing. I'm going to hang off the side because I might have more fun. Um, now, this is not advised. I think you'll probably see on the news quite a lot like crypto is very dangerous it's very it's unregulated don't do that don't do it um there's no one there's no parachute here there's no safety net uh yes the rewards are massive they won't say that part they won't say that the rewards are massive they'll just say the downside is huge but the downside is huge you can lose absolutely everything no protections um so if you come into the crucible of crypto hanging off the edge of the roller coaster to, to get a bit more of an adrenaline rush and enjoy yourself a bit more you have to accept um you know, you've been told by the news repeatedly, this is not regulated. This is not regulated. If you put your life savings into this, no one can, it's immutable, it's gone forever, no one can save you. But if you do that anyway, either one, uh, you didn't understand anything in the first place, in which case I recommend you don't put your life savings into something that you don't understand at all, um, or you just ignored that and you decided, well, uh, I'm going to try and make a lot of money here, but if, uh, if I do make a lot of money, well, that's great. Congratulations to me. But if I lose everything, well, that's someone else's fault. So um, that's in, in the case, maybe you were hanging off the edge of the roller coaster and perhaps you lost a leg. Um, you know, it's your own fault for hanging onto the edge of a roller coaster. You've lost a leg uh, because you chose to do that. And um, that's the way I, I see I things. I blame Walt Disney. Like he should be posthum posthumously. Yeah. Uh, like, um, made into a maybe a devil character like a Beelzebub or um, some other kind of satanic creature. Yeah. Uh, you heard it here first. Dig him up. It's Wasn't he frozen? Is he was frozen? Walt Disney frozen? I, that's what I did. Sorry, I, I didn't hear that, Sefi. I said, was he frozen? Because I, I thought he was cryogenically frozen. So you're saying like sometime in the year like mm, 2,500 he's going to emerge and be like, what the hell happened to Mickey Mouse? Like, why is he transgender or something? Let me just have a look. Disney. I swear it was Walt Disney. Yeah, Maybe I think I have as well. I thought it was him. Um, Although, probably... I doubt. Maybe it was someone he was related to because it was a long time ago. Maybe it was a very primitive kind of freezing. Oh, like, I would think back then the best they had was like maybe dry ice or something, right? No, that's what I thought. It seems that yeah, it's, there's a, like a Snopes article and stuff. Nearly everyone is familiar with Walt Disney. Um, has heard that story of his corpse being stored in a deep freeze chamber and hidden somewhere. Da, da, da. I'm just having a look. 
it seems like there's consensus that it's just a myth. It's false. There's no they proof of it. I don't know. I think he might be. I think he's alive. I think he's playing Xbox 360 uh, in his uh, secret cabin that he lives in. Are there any um, big conspiracies that any of you believe, Sefi? Do you have any big ones you believe that you've you've done rabbit hole research onto and come to believe, um, like I don't know, JFK or 9/11 or anything else? Like, what's your your top conspiracy you think is a true thing? Hmm. Um, actually the, uh, yeah, I, I haven't formed a, a, like a cohesive conclusion about, um, the JFK one now that you bring about, bring that up. Um, I, I think the probability is fairly high that there was an actual conspiracy there, but, uh, like, do I have any like ideas of, you know, who and what or whatever? Not really, but like, it's just too, um, I think there's too many things that were just like, um, uh, like it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like that would all be con- uh, a coincidence. Some of the the, tra- the the issues that transpired. I don't even remember the exact story and why I kind of came to that conclusion off the top of my head. But uh, but that is one of the ones where I think there's probably was some sort of conspiracy that he wasn't just shot by some random. But I don't. I don't dwell upon it too much. <laughs> if that's what you're asking. No, I, I mean I have a thing where it's like a lot of things probably happened, but if you spend a lot of time going deep into it and you prove it to be incontestably true, what the fuck are you gonna do? <laughs> it's, like, it's like okay, if I. <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> I know. I know Twitter's like watching and stuff, and I'm I'm kind of consciously baiting you into talking about this so you'll get banned. But if I was to say something like. You know, I've done all this research on 9-11. I know it's a demolition or whatever. And um, I have this whole viewpoint and a huge stack of evidence for it. What the fuck am I going to do? Like, I think the the likeliest thing is if I get very, very loud, I'm just going to get like an accidental death. Some kind of agent is going to walk me by when I'm sitting at a restaurant, put some kind of uh, weird kind of biomimetic substance in my, you know, omelet or whatever. And I'm going to have a heart attack that day and I'm just going to disappear. Um, and everyone's going to think it's, oh, it's just a sudden death from some kind of heart rhythm thing that we can't detect on the postmortem. Uh, there's no good outcome. Like, wh- what the fuck am I going to do? Like, it's it's kind of, there's a massive lack of incentive to ever investigate anything too deeply, because what are you going to do? And even if you do do something, if there's someone's as nefarious enough to do something like that, they're definitely nefarious enough to kill you. Yeah, you know, in the last 10 years, um, just off the top of my head, of all of the deaths that I have seen, um, not a single one uh, was there an autopsy performed. So the odds that you can kind of do someone in, in the modern age with just any sort of like arbitrary um, overdose of something is quite high, actually. Um, so like, <laughs> there's a reason why it's better to stay anonymous on Twitter. <laughs> it has more to do with like, attack surfaces that I know exist that are easy to deploy if someone wants to mess with you. Um, it's just well, actually just really, really easy to do someone in. Right, so Sefi, if you were going to, like, let's say you were going to kill me. Like, I kept coming onto the spaces and I kept interrupting people. You were getting really sick of it. Um, how would you do it? Like, how would you kill me? You know, I actually asked him this. In oh, depth. my God. This is probably the worst thing to, to talk about in <laughs> recorded space. <laughs> I asked you this in depth before. Do you remember, Sefi? I was like, if you wanted to kill someone who was a patient, how would you do it? 
and we went into some deep medical thing where you were talking about like, yeah, yeah, like most uh, deaths these days don't have an autopsy unless the, the family or the investigation, which is might be criminal, is like super, has a, has a massive, uh, you know, there's some strong evidence that somebody might have done it. Then we might have a look, yeah. And you like went into depth about stuff like that and how you do it. So yeah, we've, uh, we've aligned. Well, think, in- think about it this way. Think about it this way. So the average age of the population in the United States, I think pre-COVID was like 79. I think it took a little bit of dip because of all the deaths, like all at one time, but whatever the point is like, it's a pretty high age. And at those ages, right. The number of things that could just spontaneously kill you just arbitrarily and randomly far outweigh any kind of like nefarious event that could happen. So is it possible in the last 10 to 20 years that maybe some nefarious events did happen and there was no way to sort of capture them? Uh, There was no like signal that would tell you, okay, we're going to test for certain um, you know, drugs in the system or whatever. Not only that, but like a lot of the things that we test for, we don't do like forensic quantitative testing. We just like, you know, we have some, you know, rudimentary things that we do to look at certain drug levels for certain therapies, this and that. But a lot of things you're not looking at like levels, especially like illicit drugs, right? Like if you were to take, say, for example, heroin, um, you inject heroin, you show up at a hospital in a like modern Western country, you're not getting drug levels. What you're getting is basically the presence or absence of a thing. And that could be the presence of absence of a thing that could be like positive for up to a week or more, like, you know, over that time frame. So it's like you're not really... Um, you're not doing sort of like some kind of like forensic deep dive. Your average doctor is not sitting in there like, you know, interrogating various family members of, hey, wait, did you do this to this person? No, like the presumption in a person age, I don't know, like 40 plus that we're liable to see is usually going to be, um, you know, some sort of natural causes is way more common. Um, so, yeah, there's all sorts of reasons why. Uh, uh, and you know, even if there was something like where someone accidentally overdosed on medicines or whatever, like a lot of those cases, you're not even going to know that's what they did, right? Like they're just going to sort of like show up. They're going to show up at your house. Oh, look, he's dead. And there's not going to be an obvious. Let me come like, in on, here, on those issues. Yeah, Jimmy, uh, have you tried to uh, like kill someone before? Yes. I, it Like. Uh, what was what's your chosen method? Well, um, it it really depends, but I try and kill people with love. Yeah, like Jesus Christ. Oh, kill them with love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you find yeah. that like no good deed goes unpunished? Though, do you feel like every time you've done this, like people want to crucify you, like tie you up to like a funeral, like a pyre, and set you in flames? This is what they well, want to do. With that reminds me of a different type of prophet, um, where they burn them alive, but. Uh, the saints that you're referring to, um, and mostly Catholic saints, that was a thing. Um, however, Jesus was not burnt alive. He did rise up from the dead, though. Wait, were you, were, were you there? Can you prove this? Um, well, it's in the Bible. Facts. Facts, King. Thank you for sharing your truth. Isn't yeah. it crazy how owls always look like they're angry, by the way? I was just looking at some pictures of owls and like they've got like little angry eyebrows. It's so cool. For me, the final arbiter of truth is actually Bloomberg.com. Well, you can very surprised. When you meet Bloomberg reporters, you realize how hard they work. Probably the hardest working people in, in so-called journalism. 
So everything they say has to be true. Right? Um, no, they use AI that. software now to write most of the things. Like, did you hear about Jasper? It just raised 125 million, and it's an AI writing platform. You just put in some some taglines and keywords, and put in like some data, and it makes the writing for you. So that's what they use now. It'll go do the research for you and type up the whole article, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Actually, it uses several repositories of data um, for the research of what's trending, and then you put in the taglines, and it makes the post for you. Serious. This is a good way to get like Twitter followers, right? <clears throat> have have the system just automatically post for you. That's actually what a lot of them do. Um, the reason why you see a lot of those like one, two, three, four, five tweets is because they are using that AI software to make those things. There's a template for it. Whoa! What's a one, two, three, four, five thing? Like uh, here are the five best ways of learning about new websites that don't you don't need to code. And then it uses oh, a template yeah. to publish, whereby each tweet is just a separate line in Jasper, and then it publishes per line. So how do you... It goes directly to... So how do you get it, get to Jasper? Do you have to pay for it? Is it free? Yeah, I think there's like a free plan. It's a freemium thing. But Jasper isn't the only one. There's like five or six other competitors yeah. to there Jasper. Are there are loads. There's um, GPT-3, there's uh, copy.ai, there's loads of them you can use. I was feeding my tweets... <laughs> like on my on my main account the, the coach bruce one i have i don't know how many tweets like a couple thousand at least um and i fed all of those into gpt3 the other day and then had it generate tweets and stuff and it was it was funny as fuck because some of them are really really good and like almost exactly in my style you get a few weird ones one of the weird ones i think well, you I told need a few more back data into it yeah but but one of the one of the funny ones that came out of that was like this tweet that was um, Sefi is a good guy, but he is also a slave. <laughs> just like really random, just just kind of going in on Sefi's neck. But it's not just that, right? So there's um, everyone knows about the AI generated pictures. That's one thing, but the voice too. It can you, yep. there's a couple platforms where it takes your voice now and it can generate according to the script that you give it. And so you can generate the script, you know, with AI, and then it generates your voice as a voiceover, and even can take. Um, I think it's called. Um, Oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I forgot the name of it, but it can take your body and then you can do um, personalized messages. So all you do is you take an Excel sheet of all your clients, you feed it in and then it says like, hey, you know, you're <clears throat> CPI. Uh, this is a video just for you. And then it gives you gives the script through and use, uses your voice as a <clears throat> the voiceover for the script. Mm. Yeah, it's That's not all AI generated. It's nuts. One of the, the cool things when I was reading these tweets, because I generated like a couple hundred of them and I just read through them all. One of the funny things was it made me laugh like almost more than anything lately. Like I hadn't laughed so hard in like weeks. And and I realized it was like in, in life, I guess we're all kind of looking for people who share the same sense of humor, right? Like we want to laugh at the same kind of stuff or um, it's quite rare that you find somebody who has exactly the same kind of sense of humor who really tickles you. You know, somebody who could really kind of make you explode with laughter and spit your food out and have, um, I think Sefi described, like pasta coming out of his nose or whatever, pasta sauce. And I realized like one of the cool things was that this, like obviously it's AI, but it's almost like it knew my sense of humor better than anyone else did. Like even my close friends, like it was generating stuff that just like made me splutter with laughter in the same way that I would had I had that thought spontaneously. So it was like interesting. It like kind of well, a beautiful no filter on it, right? Yeah. Say again. 
well, there's no filter on it. So the, the, re, the reason why it sounds funny is because it, it speaks honestly. There's no, you know, with people, with human behavior, you basically self-filter. With AI, it doesn't. And that's why those AI bots back in the day, like five, six years ago, that Microsoft uh, released publicly, you know, became racist over time because people were basically sending it racist messages. Mm-hmm. And then it started learning from that. You know, obviously they turned that off. But when it comes to all this other stuff, I know people who are 16 to 17 years old who are using all these platforms now to hide how old they are because they've changed their voice and they use these AI platforms to write older than they are. So they never interact with anyone personally, right? But they have uh, an affiliate marketing team. They have a, an analytics team. They have a, a sales team. They have all this. It's just an AI generator from just different platforms. Everything from Jasper to these other video maker AI software things. Um, you know, pe- the emails, the newsletters that are being created are all AI generated. They ha- it replaces, you know, 15 people pretty much. Um, and it's all just a bunch of platforms that they need subscriptions to. And they, it's like they're running a whole company this way. It's, it's the, what people are doing now. Um, yeah. it's, it's easier to do this if you're selling a particular product it's harder to do this if you're doing services stuff but i feel that if you are doing services eventually the ai stuff will become easier to use if you're selling like an actual service like for example if you're a consultant but if you're selling like a product like a SaaS product like or an education software product yeah it, you could use all these platforms and you would never have to hire anyone hmm Here's a question for you, Jimmy. It can it actually be really simple too. Before we jump past, past that, like you could do things like, let's say you wrote a blog post about your company or something, right? And, no, no, you uh, just to do that, bro. And you needed you needed just to generate like more versions of the same content for different websites. You just feed that in through like copy data, that AI or something like that, paste it on different locations, and now you have like more reach, even with the same article that has been slightly rewritten or whatever. So yeah, some no, of no, it, really you're using Jasper. I don't think you've used it. You're using Jasper to create completely new content oh, every yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, Jasper. And I then you're using the other AI stuff, stuff to distribute that content, like the yeah, newsletters. Yeah. I, I totally. So you personalize it. That's what it does. It personalizes. It's like, oh, hey, CPI, I know that you're working with this. Like for example, in LinkedIn, most of those recruiters are now using bots. They're not sending you those messages anymore. It's like, oh, I, I see that you're working for this company. Um, and then it like finds like what the company does. Oh, that's, this is great. I would love to reach out to you for X product. That's all bot. Yeah, my, I get hundreds of emails a day or some bullshit that I have to delete for our company. Uh, like, yeah, all the time. And they're, yeah, so- they're, like, they're engaging based on like what your website contents is, is, is generating the contents of the email sure. that they're sending you. Yeah. Um, and then if the voiceover stuff is also very important because it means that they can do personalized videos. Um, and when you go beyond this, the next stage will just be uh, uh, curating uh, the services. So as I said before, if you're a consultant, it will be able to take what you do and then generate a roadmap for how to fix it, right? Or how to like, it, you know, for example, gener- there is a company that I know is working on this um, it is doing uh, AI generated pitch decks. I remember last year at some point, 
some people got really paranoid um, about me for some reason. <laughs> and they were, <laughs> this has just reminded me of it because like, it was just like some Twitter people, but they were like, you're like AI, you're like a guy, like using like, you know, all this AI generated stuff. And like, it, and I sent like a videos with my voice in and they were like, yeah, like this is like fake. Like I can hear like the distortion <laughs> and they got really, really schizo about it. Um, by the way, Lunkdow, what was the, you said you had a question for Sefi, was it? Uh, no, it's for Dimi the Otter. The question yeah. was, it was actually to help you, Pirate. The question was going to be, so so Pirate figures herself as like a young, fledgling writer. She likes writing things, making them up. She likes being creative. Uh, she likes writing stories and things like that. How someone like her survive in the modern world? Like oh, SEO. That's what they're doing now, right? So what has happened is they're essentially tokenizing writing. I, I know writers who have transitioned fully into SEO where they, you know, build content for people. They use AI generators to take, let's say you have a hundred companies that you're working with before, before the AI stuff would be like five because you'd actually have to make it yourself. And then it would be able to insert the keywords into the first few paragraphs and then use analytics that you had previously. Um, either you take analytics from the client or you'd have to build your own to find what kind of keywords were trending. So you'd add those keywords. So you have the keywords from the client, what they wanted to talk about. So for example, if they're a, a coal company, talk about energy, things like this to get their Google rankings up. And if the clients that they're sending this information to, we're doing like, you know, let's say they're coal contractors. Um, they talk about like machinery they're using, things like that. And that's all added automatically. All the content creator does is just make sure it lines up and publish it across different channels that's kind of the hard part they they haven't really figured out yet because there's just so many marketing channels now you got your medium articles you got your twitters you got your facebooks your youtube channels um oh god there's the force there's the foursquare there's tumblr there's um and this is all just english language stuff I mean, when it goes to other languages it's completely different um then you got your tiktoks and things like this so that's really what you're doing now as a writer you're basically figuring out what are the sales channels and Recep how do I optimize? Yeah, so I would want to talk a little bit about Recep Tayyip Erdogan right now. You know, Yanni, uh, should I, I speak in Turkish or speaking in? Hamza, Hamza, what are you doing? Jimmy's talking. I'll say, well, no, he left. I was going to talk about Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Um, so what I was thinking of doing, Jimmy, uh, think about that's this. What so doing they're making a lot of money. Hey, CPI, they're making a lot of money doing this now. Yeah, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of the content I have on like Vitalik, Doquan, and a, and a variety of other founders. I'm going to feed them into Jasper, right? All the content I can possibly find. And I'm going to create a mythical founder out of thin air. And I'm going to deify this founder uh, using like... Um, you know, I don't know, like YouTube and Twitter followers or whatever. And then uh, like we can float a coin based on this like uh, utility, right? Uh, I think it's- well, I uh, think that you're a little bit of a boomer because, you know, that already happens, right? So for example, there was uh, one of the influencers on Twitter talked about Aptos being Kraptos. Seconds later, bots create a token called Kraptos. Then there's a pump and dump scheme behind Kraptos. There were then thousands of tweets produced by bots talking about Kraptos, right? And then people were creating spaces with Kraptos in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of late to this party, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah, I think the problem with you is that you think things through, not realizing that because of automation, it happens within minutes. Like the Kraptos articles are already out. Jimmy, are you so? How do we out Kraptos the Kraptos people? That's the question. You can't out bot the bots. Kind of the point. The first usage of AI to this scale is for trading. Now it's for everything. I, I know. I think you need to look into it, Cpi. Like. It's not just just AI writing generation. SEO is fully AI botted now, right? I mean, anyone who works in affiliate marketing, you guys know that, right? Affiliate marketing makes millions of dollars, billions of dollars. It's all bots. Writers make a lot of money because of affiliate marketing. They're able to get things into articles and then get people to click on links. Hey, so is Jasper now able to sort of post to, let's say, a company's uh, Twitter Why don't you or Facebook use it or whatever? Yes. Automatically? Yes, yes. yes. That's actually one of the, so it's one of the integrations. Everything that uh, works well now, like Figma. Have you used Figma before? Because you're a boomer, so you wouldn't. Do you use Figma? No, what does it do? Fuck, are what you serious? Is this like a ligma? Are you like, yeah, what's... Are you, are you saying so Figma, the great thing about Figma is you can embed anything into Figma and then you can take the design and turn it into a website. What you're just talking about is that you can take writing and then through a couple integrations, you can have it automatically publish with timers. You can have it generate, then integration automatically moves it to a draft and then sends it out as a publishable content. No grammatical errors from all these to all these social media channels. Um, so you're going to use like Zapper, for example, to make sure that it's getting to your Twitter account. Do you know what Zapper is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just being sent. That's what uh, people are using for all this stuff, yeah. I'm being sent abuse. Um, my point there is that uh, no one would have thought that Calendly would have replaced secretaries with something that is simply a product that makes appointments. But the reason why Calendly is successful is because you can add integrations so that as soon as it makes an appointment, it sends back a payment option so that if you go to the appointment, you have to pay to get into the Google Meet space, right? Like, that's why it's useful. It's just all these other things are laid onto it so that someone pays at the end of the day for something. Like, those con that content CPI that you're talking about, you're missing the key detail. People click on links. Affiliate marketing, they're going to click on products. So um, how can we use this system to sort of like um, maybe Make raise money? up or irritate Doquan? I think that if you had merch that said Doquan sucks ass and you use all this content to constantly sell it by talking about Doquan all the time. And at the end of each content piece, there was a link, an affiliate link to merch where on the hat or shirt or stuffed animal, there was Doquan sucks ass. You would make a lot of money that way. Hmm, so like play both sides, play the the positive and the negative, and everyone's going to be walking around with your t-shirt. That could be a meme. Depends on how much time you want to spend on it. I mean, uh, he's certainly famous enough to turn him into a meme. Like, you have a picture of Do Kwan on your t-shirt saying, I'd rather take a Do than a Kwan. That's so true. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm already using most of the software already, but I, the point is, I know 16-year-olds who, who are now going to graduate high school who won't go to college who are running their own businesses based on all these things. And they think of people who don't use this stuff as like boomers. It's like, oh, you still write your own stuff? Oh, you still email people? 
oh, you still track your own analytics? Oh, you still, you know, check Google rankings on your own? You're a boomer. Yeah, that's what they think. Like even payroll, you know, payroll is automated now. There's like startups have done AI generated payroll. You know that, right? AI generated payroll? Like what does it do? Yeah. Well, basically, essentially what goes on is it figures out how much work has been done by certain people and then automatically pays them at the end of the month. And so it's like a credit card. It pays them from the platform, but then you have to pay back the platform. And if you don't pay back the platform, the platform makes money by basically charging you points on how much it paid out to the employees. Does that make sense? Mm, interesting. Okay. Like it's really popular now, those, those ones. Because like it replaces operations managers and finance managers, which were expensive. You know, the person just going through Excel sheets saying, oh, I got to pay this person, this person worked this many hours and this and so forth and that. But now there's a lot of things to feed data in, like HubSpot, like tracking uh, protocols, you know, tracking your hours and stuff and stuff like that, right? Um, just speaking from some experience, having worked on a couple of different uh, startups, I would say the most useful thing about AI right now is sort of expediating the creative process. So what is creativity? It's usually someone who can recollect something else they've seen and reapplying the same idea in a different or unique way. But if AI can just... Context maps? Context, uh, was it called context minds? It's a mind software, mind mapping software of AI generated keywords. So as soon as you enter something in, it gives you AI generated ideas. Nice. Um, I'll definitely look at that. This is the future. Well, actually, it's going on right now. So the future is today. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, so uh, did you see the Laura Shin uh, like video about uh, with interviewing Doe? What did you think about it? Yeah, that's what I did. Um, I, I didn't think very much about it. You know, um, you know, Do Kwan probably has gotten a lot of legal advice recently. I'm kind of confused. What did you think about it? Did you think it was interesting content? I didn't think I saw anything new except um, the only thing I saw new was that LFG was going to release some paperwork in the next few weeks, possibly. Do you think that she paid her to do that type of interview? Because that's actually what I think happens. He, he pays her to, to tell him the questions and basically do a controlled interview. And this is a journalist who is for sale. They all are. They all are, guys. And they, that's what she really does. She only really does SEO. If, a, like, if YGG, and she's done interviews with YGG, need more publicity, you, you give her a couple thousand bucks, she'll do the interview for you. She'll post it on her channel. And distribute according to her sales channels, right? And she'll add some links there, and that's what she does. She's not a real. These aren't really journalists anymore. They aren't. Well, she's going to get great engagement no matter which, like what happens, right? Like the Doquan. So I mean, if it was negative engagement, so you don't know how much money she would make from the engagement, but by getting some money from Doquan, there's guaranteed money. My guess is Doquan gave her like. 20,000 bucks to do the interview. Something like that in that range. That's like the going rate for those people nowadays. You know that CNBC does like paid, like Kramer, you know how Kramer actually makes money, right? He does paid spots. Like someone comes on a show for 10 minutes and talks about their product. That's how he actually makes money. Have you ever been, uh, been approached by journalists who, who want to scam you, want to steal your money? They want to take um, your I've team. been approached by journalists who are trying to get paid for interviews, yeah. Yeah, so what it's did not you say? Uncommon. It's not hard to find. 
Well, it's a business. I mean, like, I don't say anything. I just, um, you know, for, you know, Forbes under Forbes under 30, right? 30 under 30. You know, you have to pay to get into that list, right? You guys yeah. know that, correct? Yeah, I pay. There's, to there's get no. Well, as soon as you get selected, they ask, would you like to you know, donate $3,000 to our fund or whatever it is? That's actually how it works. And uh, if you don't pay, you don't get on the list. Yeah, I need to get I need to pay someone to get on one of those lists. Uh, how much is it? No, cost? You have to get selected first and then they ask. Um, so it seems more exclusive than it really is. Plus, you're not under 30. But, um, you know, Forbes, Forbes makes a lot of money from these paid promotions. It's all paid promotions on Forbes' website. It's not even journalism anymore. It's just a bunch of paid promotions. People actually pay subscriptions to Forbes. It's insane. Yeah, that's, um, that's my experience for sure. As you, you put out a newswire, you know, if you have a story that you want to, uh, to spread, it has to have a hook. Um, and most of the time, someone like Bloomberg, Forbes, all these guys will just kind of like regurgitate what you've already sent out there. Yeah, for a fee. And um, I think they have learned their lessons. A lot of newspapers, publishing that is, were bad at monetizing their distribution channels. And they're focusing more on good content, long form content and subscriptions. Subscriptions were a good model because it is a good way of building a customer base and essentially loyalty. The only problem with subscriptions is it's not a growing customer base. So by basically focusing on distribution and paid content, but never telling people it's paid content, you can basically leverage the brand, which they have built up for a while, which was like the positive consequence of these exclusive subscriptions that cost a lot of money. Like New York Times, it's all paid content now on their homepage under the business section. That's really, their business section basically subsidizes their entire newspaper. and that's just an example of what's being changed now is because like Jasper and other things, anyone can produce content. It's a question of the brand that you're producing that you can leverage to get the fees to be competitive versus these large behemoth uh, publishers. Um, I'm not sure how much Hearst makes. You know, Hearst is the same company that owns half the magazines in the United States. But I would say that in five or 10 years, we're going to start seeing um, uh, you know, AI generated content make as much money because of the affiliate link marketing that can happen. You know, AI content will be everywhere. You'll never notice the difference. It will be under someone's name, an actual person's name, and it'll have an affiliate link underneath, which if you click and you buy something, it pays out the content creator, which was used, created by AI, AI content. And it'll be thousands of pieces like this that you'll be seeing on Reddit or whatever you're finding your bullshit news that day. Which, by the way, you know that half the, the news on Reddit is actually created by AI, right? Yeah, I remember seeing about that. I mean, you said, like, in the future. I imagine that a lot of the, the big papers are already doing that stuff. I mean, why wouldn't you? Like, it's, it, it's already there, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, the only digital distributor of content that I see that actually is losing money is Vice because they refuse to go along with this and they never use the tool, even though they're like hip, but they're yeah, losing they're a lot of money. Like stone no. 17 year olds on their skateboards, like trying to film the homeless people to write articles and stuff. As life is by. Now I brought, uh, coach, can you hear me? Okay. I don't like coach very much. I'm not sure if my reception's doing okay. Coach, you there? 
Yeah, I can. I can. Yeah, like I had a question. So I brought Coach on uh, because he's got some important sort of like viewpoints here. So he was targeted by like AI bot armies um, that convinced him to buy a lot of the Luna coin, right? Um, Like besides the fact that you felt manipulated and then ultimately these same bots, you know, like worked on crashing and, you know, ultimately created uh, major financial consequences for you. Uh, These bots made you feel like killing yourself. Um, Like how... How do you think we should deal with this as a society, maybe at a at a governmental level? Like, how how do you solve this problem? I don't know. I don't know. It might it might be something similar to um, the Olympics, right? Where the the only real thing, the only real way forward is to just eliminate all drug testing completely and just have everyone take steroids, have everyone inject themselves with like fuck loads of steroids how, go crazy they already are. yeah but like even more like at least now you have intermittent testing and people keep kind selling of avoid to it. your mouth so you're saying mainline the uh the the bots and everything and like hope that you don't kill yourself create a situation where everyone can create bots and and there's just this big fucking war um you need to somehow give everyone access to exactly the same things I don't know if there's a way forward otherwise, because it's just like an impossible game otherwise. But like, how do you solve the problem of these Bitcoin fueled um, botnets that are causing like, I don't know, little girls to become anorexic and, you know, like fat shaming, like every possible angle of like uh, emotional and social manipulation. Like, Like, you don't feel like this is getting out of hand? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't thought too much about it. For me, I, I just see this stuff as like a, a new way to play. I think, I think like you could get very depressed about AI and and how it's replacing everything, but I think probably a wholesome attitude is just to find it playful. Um, I, I I imagine a future where I'm on Twitter, I log on, and uh, my interactions are like a hundred times more fun than they currently are with humans, just because like I think AI is going to be a lot more playful on average. I think most humans are, are, are much more insane than AI ever will be. Uh, I think like the, the degrees to which humans cause themselves suffering, get entrenched in opinions, get whatever, they're so fucking stuck in different ways. Um, to have something much more fluid and mobile and, and open and, and taking different stances and stuff, it's, it's more of a spiritual ideal to me. I think it's going to be fun. But like that that episode where you got hospitalized and everything because of these botnets, you don't you don't you don't you're not holding it against the bots or against Doquan or something like that. No, my my suicide taught me a lot. I, I'm glad it happened. Um, I think I learned a lot from having been dead. How do we so you, you had to have CPR, like you people, like you arrested and they got you back from the brink or something. Yeah, I died for, for I think, mm, 20 seconds, something like that, after the overdose. So, yeah, like I've... So you, I've can, you can say legitimately that you died and came back to life because of Doquan. Yeah, yeah, I came back. And, and not only did I die because of Doquan, but I hold no resentment at all. Um, the, the death experience, the, the out-of-body experience I had taught me that there is a... Funda- I didn't realize this before. It taught me there is a fundamental reality 
in in the wider consciousness system far beyond we consider ourselves to be as these these limited bodies and minds it goes far beyond that and everything that happens within your life all of your your unfolding journey of life within consciousness is all karmically determined everything you you receive in life is something you have previously sown in the ground something you have previously planted so nobody has anyone else to blame in this life um before i committed suicide i blamed doquan but afterwards having realized my past lives and the way it traces back over time i realized i have nothing else but myself to blame it is me who made myself so naive and so vulnerable as to believe doquan's lies um i, I, I don't think that like so in your view like you did something really bad at some point in your life or in your past life to warrant uh like a botnet attack on your psyche yeah uh, in in my last life in japan in tokyo i was a guy who used to lurk around in like subway stations in metro stations and i would masturbate secretly behind like um kind of poles and trees and things I would masturbate, bringing myself almost to orgasm, and then I would run out. I would run towards women sitting on benches or like waiting for the train, and I would ejaculate all over them, and then I would run away, and I'd film it all. Um, and it was one of these uh, well, times. Jesus, like no wonder, like life is taking this negative turn of events for you. I mean, yeah. I, I can see why you take responsibility for this. Yep, and you know how I died. I, I died one time because I did this to a woman at one of the main Tokyo metro stations. And uh, her boyfriend happened to be around the corner, and he saw me, and he pushed me in front of a metro train. So I died that way. It was kind of a murder, a retribution murder. Um, after I did ejaculate all over her, but he saw it and pushed me in front of the train. Um, it killed me, and then I woke up into this life. So, like having died and having seen that, because you can't see the the past life archives until you die. Having seen that all, I realized that I deserve. Can I come it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, I've been in spaces, uh, and I, I think this is kind of an apropos thing to talk about now, which is the drama around Aptos. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard about the drama where there's no tokenomics yet released about Aptos. And there's a lot of negativity about that, but it's all being listed pretty soon in most exchanges. And so what I try and say is this, um, tokens, you know, in circulating supply are kind of unknowable in terms of their price right you don't know their utility really um if there's a lot of tokens and the price is very low and people think they theoretically lost a lot of money on paper it means that um they have a lot of something that may not be worth a lot of money right coach and so you believe that you had something at the time that was not worth a lot of money um however i kind of compare it to um sperm when there are a lot of tokens in the token supply, that's like a lot of sperm, right? But you only use a certain amount of sperm each time when you put the load on, right? The load comes out, that's like a certain amount of sperm that actually is being used. That's the utility, right? But you don't really know the utility at the time, right? Because when you lose some sperm, you don't know if it means anything. But it could mean something in six months when there's a child. Right. So that's the kind of comparison I like to make about that. Thank you. Do you have any thoughts on that, Pirate? Uh, yeah, I actually I actually forgot. I had something I really wanted to say to the point where I put my hand up, but I forgot. Um, yeah, never mind. Yeah, so, you know, I think it all comes full circle, these uh, 
these kind of like price manipulations, these botnets, you know, what happened to, um, you know, the Terra ecosystem and then kind of like this Laura Shin interview with Doquan that finally kind of transpired today. I think a lot of like dominoes fell to lead to that moment. Um, I think we all sort of agree with that. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, like, do you have forgiveness in your heart or not? Are you a vengeful uh, person, uh, Bruce, or not? I think uh, uh, ultimately matters, right? If you'd see Doak Fun on the street, what would you say? Who are you, who are you talking to here? Because uh... I'm talking to you, coach. I only want to talk to you. <sighs> okay. If I, I don't know. I've always, I've always thought he's quite a handsome guy. A lot of people have said he's quite ugly. I've always thought he's quite cute. Um, and somebody who met him said he's like six foot one or so. Like he's, he's a big guy. Yeah, I've met him before. He's relatively tall. He's one eighty six, seven, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Like, I think, I think there might be a level of attraction there. Um, probably a shyness, a little bit of meekness and nervousness. Um, he's quite intimidating. I think, you know, everyone here is probably a lot below him in terms of IQ. Um, you know, his, his verbal reasoning and his spatial reasoning is probably, he can probably rotate different objects in his head a lot more accurately than any of us. Um, I don't know. I, I think there would be an attempt to, you know, he told me one time that he saw numbers as colors. That's what he said to me a few years ago. Really? Like proper synesthete. That's cool. That's what he said, but he was speaking in such a way that he, 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 the way he speaks, he mumbles everything as if it's a stream of consciousness about what he believes is true. If that makes sense. Yeah. But it might not be true in actuality. He just wants to believe it's true. Yes. What, how can we know if he actually sees it? Or how can we know that he wasn't just filling the conversation? that was on him. You must admit, he's one of those people where wherever there's a room, he's always a center of attention. Yeah. He's, he's very unique in that way. He's very not shy. He's the least shy man you'll ever meet in your life. No, he's, he's I don't know, somehow radiant and magnetic. There's a sense, I don't know, like even earlier when I was watching the interview, it's like I, I opened up the interview, Laura Shin started talking. I hate her. She's a fucking witch. But at the same time, I really, I, before watching that interview, I felt like this guy is a scammer. You know, this, there's no, nothing this guy can say that's going to convince me that this guy isn't a scammer. And then I started watching. And by the end of it, I had my, my hand over my penis. Um, I'd ejaculated all over myself. I don't know, just this weird, some people have this weird, like magnetic kind of transitional force that, that seems That's what they to, say about Elizabeth Holmes, by the way. Yeah, yeah, the same. I think Steve Jobs had a similar thing. Um, certainly people say it about Bill Clinton. They have this weird kind of magnetic charisma thing going on where you just don't realize what's happening. It's like your emotional transition happens so kind of imperceptibly and you, you move from anger to lust or something else that you just don't know what the fuck happened. It's, it's, I don't know, it's weird. I'm still covered in cum. You know, I remember there was this interview of Adam Neumann, or Adam Newman, actually, uh, on CNBC, and I, he was talking to, um, you know, that guy who does those interviews, you know, the guy with the green and blue eyes at the same time. And the questions initially were very aggressive. I think that guy fell in love with Adam during the course of the interview, because over time, the questions became nicer and nicer and nicer until they started becoming very fawning questions like, oh, what amazing things are you working on right now? 
And Adam's like, oh, I'm building carbon credits on the blockchain. You know, it was a very quick transition. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I think I've always been much more of a, a person who's susceptible to that rather than inducing it in others. But I don't know. It's like you can also appreciate it happening to other people when it's not just you. And I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's like personally uh, now I'm, I'm just bullish on Doquan. I don't really care about the crash or anything like that. I think that if you find a person who can convince a, a huge amount of people, millions of people to adopt a technology and, and seduce them so well, why not do that again? I think it's going to be even easier next time. I don't really care about like Ponzi's and scams and stuff like that. I'm looking for people who have a big impact on others emotionally. And I think that's Doe Kwon. You know, it should be said that every successful CEO that actually kept their jobs, don't forget that Bill, uh, Bill Gates didn't keep his job. He only was the head of Microsoft for about nine years until he was forced to resign. Uh, and then Steve Ballmer took over. Every founder CEO is extremely charismatic, the ones who make it. If you had bought everything stock-wise that Steve Jobs got into, right? The guy who created a Salesforce got into, right? Everything that these guys get into, you would be rich, right? If you got every single company, that Jeff Bezos invests in. By the way, Jeff Bezos has invested in a lot of companies. Look at his crunch base. He has three vehicles he invests in. He uses his own personal uh, wealth management unit. He has a fund, a separate fund. He called something Expeditions. And then his parents, who are still alive, have their own fund that invests in things. I don't really know why it's like that. I think it had a lot to do with uh, him buying the um, the, uh, the Washington Post because he didn't want to buy under his name. Apparently, it's under his parents' name because his parents' his parents' um, vehicle were the ones that technically bought it. Anyway, if you bought everything that Jeff Bezos invested in, you would also be very rich. He was one of the original seed investors in Google. He was also one of the original seed investors in Uber, Airbnb, and the list can go on and on and on. A lot of space companies he also invested in as well. This is just the truth. Jeff Bezos, if you ever actually watch an interview of him, is extraordinarily charismatic. And every single book written about anyone who's ever met him and ever worked for him will always say that. He always convinces everyone around him that he has not really the best logic or that he's necessarily always right, but he, uh, he, he basically allows people to think about what Jeff said. And then a few days later, have an idea, and they believe it was originally Jeff's idea. That makes sense. That is the uniqueness about these people. To think that what you're producing is actually some other guy's idea, like Jeff Bezos, like Steve Jobs. It's this idea that they're spreading their seed like sperm, like sperm. Rather than ejaculating it on camera, you hold it in your hand until you use it to use it to grow something. So it's like a, like a mimetic effect in a sense. You're, you're like spreading yeah. your seed. By I would say, so. I mean, I think there are many examples of this. And I would ask, I would dare someone to come in the space and give me an example of a founder who created a successful company who didn't have that effect on his employees. How else do you motivate people to work incredibly hard, way more than you pay them, by the way, right? Because you're giving them a lot of equity, but the equity is kind of not a noble value, right? Until much later on until the point that you're not entirely sure how long you're going to stay at the company. They always have this kind of effect on people and is a lot like the emetic sperm effect, I call it. 
I agree completely. Uh, welcome, by the way, Raider. How are you? Uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks. Interesting discussion you're having. Not really uh, my topic, but I thought I'd listen in. And, uh, what is your topic, Raider? Thank you for Well, you know that I'm uh, one of the original Terror Rebels. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, our topic is very much about the revitalization of uh, the Terror Classic chain. And obviously, uh, the title court of this of this space caught my eye because obviously, yeah, there are a lot of different opinions about uh, Doug Kwan and TFL's impact on what happened. And uh, the perspective that I can give, this perspective that I can offer uh, from our first-hand dealings, is that Doug Kwan and TFL have been extremely helpful to us, to the Terror Rebels, in enabling us to achieve what we've achieved so far and getting to that point where we were able to restore governance and we were able to implement the, the burn tax proposal that the community voted for um, without TFL's assistance, which was facilitated. Must be said, though, the- they had control of many of the things that were required to even run the chain, like the Terra wallet. Am I right? Well, we can cover that, but but if I can just finish what the point I was making, without Do Kwan's facilitation, it would have been very very difficult for us to achieve what we've achieved. And uh, I think um, it's not like he could do it himself. I mean, he's under investigation. It's very hard for him to actually do the things himself. No, but he was able to uh, he was able to open lines of communication with TFL employees that enabled us to to collaborate and. Uh, essentially get them to build that first release through their repo. Now we're able to... Now, now we're I mean, I think it's kind of weird you're thanking him for that. I I'm would not, expect it to be an him. obligation. I'm, I'm not thanking him. You, okay, acknowledge, even I'm acknowledging him for this. I'm acknowledging his effort. It's I'm like thanking your own rapist at a rape therapy session. Thank you for raping me many times. Well, he, he didn't personally rape me, but I, I think, well, are you sure about that? Because you know, did you just listen to Coach and his near death? Well, not near death experiences, his post death experiences as a de- direct consequence of what happened with TFL. Yeah, I, I mean, I heard I heard the last part of it. I had to I joined and I had to leave to take a call and I came back again. But um, no. so, so I, he did I rape people. Some of that, literally. But you know, yeah, okay. I mean, like I said. He's a divisive character. There are lots of different opinions out there. I'm giving you one perspective, which is coming from uh, the terror rebels who are trying to, to, you know, to keep this chain running, to, to give it a future. And, uh, and I'm just acknowledging that, that TFL and, and Doug Kwan's input uh, gave us hey, a starting point. Uh, Raider, uh, good catching up with you, man. Like th- a question for you. Um, so what, what's, what was your personal motivation for jumping in and participating in Terror Rebels, and uh, like, what what was your personal reason for getting involved at all? Like, was it financial incentive? Money. It, did you have Did you have a lot of like the Luna Classic coin, or did you um, did you like have some connection to the previous Terra chain or something like that? Uh, not no, I didn't. I didn't own uh, either either USTC or or Lunk before. Uh, the DPEG event. Um, I'm a technologist. I've, I'm, you know, th- 30 years in, in technology and software development, uh, about five years in blockchain technology. And obviously, this event caught everybody's eye. And we saw what was happening. And um, 
I wanted to try and understand what was going on. So I started, you know, looking at the, the Agora forum, started um, trying to understand a bit of the code. Um, I saw the emergency patch that TFL put out, which eff effectively uh, broke the governance system and uh, gave a very small minority only a voice in the governance system. And I was looking for ways to how we could, you know, as a community, how we could take control and and uh, reverse that process because ultimately a proof of stake blockchain is only as good as its governance system, right? So, um, so I coded up a change to to revert that, and I submitted it to the TFL repo. And uh, Ed Kim did the same, almost essentially the same change. He did it a few hours before me, and then Tobias also Zaradar also did essentially the same change a few hours later we all saw each other's prs we all started commenting on our, on the code changes we we were communicating at that time through github uh, tobias invited us to join a discord server that he had just joined which is now obviously the terror can i discord ask you server. about the recent controversy around batman accusing you of lying for the contract that specifies that terror rebels will advertise and propagate neblio's brand name on their site and social media channels, which you didn't yeah, respond yeah. to? No, I didn't respond. Why, why would I need to respond if you read the, uh, the, the screenshot that he captured there? It, it said exactly what I said. It very, very clearly states okay. that we... It speaks for itself. The chess it speaks, for itself. speaks for itself. It does. He, 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 the evidence that he used to accuse me of lying actually proves that he was lying because it, it, it clearly states that we are promoting their support of us and what we're achieving with that support. That's all I have to say on the Leblio topic. topic. I didn't come here to talk, talk about Leblio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's, uh, what's, uh, I was going to ask you, Raider. I mean, presumably you've done a bit of research about the, the history of the chain now and what went on and what caused the DPEG event and stuff like that. Or maybe you haven't. But I'm, I'm curious, what's your, your general opinion of Doquan and TFL and stuff? Like, have you, have you thought about prior to the DPEG or have you only thought about afterwards and, and repairing the chain? Well, I've looked at both because obviously there's there've been a lot there's been a lot of work done about what's happened both before and after the DPEG, and I've I've you know read those opinions. I've I, I haven't uh, I can't claim to be an expert in that area in terms of the financial engineering that that is being claimed went on, but um, I, I I certainly think there are a lot of unanswered questions. You can put it that way, and. Um, you know, as to whether there is, um, how should we say, whether whether there was malicious intent or whether it was just negligence and uh, incompetence, uh, that that's a question somebody else is going to have to answer. I'm afraid I don't know the answer to that. Um, I would like to come in here and ask a different kind of question, which is this: If you see yourself participating in a leadership role in this project, don't you think that there should be a vote on you? If well, you really you think, think, well, I think, think the community deserves the leaders it gets. But and I'm not entirely sure. Okay, if you don't think that, then I can't really go anywhere else with this question. But I, uh, if you believe I, I, that I, you're I, not. I can, I can explain why I, why, I asked, why I asked you that. Because um, when, when we first formed Terror Rebels, when it didn't have so many people uh, participating, contributing, um, we decided that we needed a way of making decisions that that um, 
wasn't uh, like TFL where there was a head a head guy basically saying this is the, this is my vision this is what we're going to do um, and so we formed a committee called the steering group which had representatives from each of the different uh, functional teams and that committee needed a chairman and I was elected as that chairman uh, the chairman didn't role didn't give me any special power my my role was to make sure those meetings were orderly and to make sure that uh, the minutes were properly recorded and to make sure that, that actions were assigned and you know uh, were followed up on that that was it but um other than that i was just a team member like everybody else uh since august that system has now been replaced by a completely decentralized system where uh, every team individual team votes uh, for a decision that needs to be made and then those team votes are carried forward through we're using a, a bot within the discord system a polling bot to, to, to carry those votes are carried forward to an overall vote that is done by re elected representatives of each team who just simply carry their team's result to a final vote and that that um process has a, a tie-breaking mechanism as well in case we ended up with a stalemate we, we've never done so as far as i know yet um so that's how we do it now so i'm i'm a member of a number of different teams in terror rebels uh where i where my my experience and skills can can assist i don't have any special power Raider, i'm not a leader Raider, i have a kind of a like a more like uh, overarching question i think that's like uh, particularly relevant here so the people that largely got wrecked with Luna, uh, many of the people that got wrecked with UST, right? Their primary like asset right now is the airdrop of Terra V2. The Luna Classic chain largely attracted lots and lots of random new users and new wallets. It had nothing to do with like recovery or like whatever. There's brand new speculators, right? In fact, I'd say, I'd say a significant portion of those folks are sort of new speculators. Oh, just for that, just maybe some context stuff. It's it's like it's really really high. It's like ninety five percent or more. Do you remember that? Do you remember when we like when I first started LunkDAO and I created a Luna two validator? And the idea was that we took some some of the yield from the Luna two validator, um, all of the yield actually at that point, um, and and put it towards burning Lunk. I thought there might be an interesting feedback loop where there would be more people interested in burning Lunk because maybe they were holding both or something like that. And then, you know, the more I burned, the more stakers we'd get and so on. But you know what happened? It didn't happen like that at all because I started to realize over the, the first few weeks and, and onward that almost none of the Lunk investors hold Luna at all uh, to the degree which is like 95% or more of them uh, simply don't have any Lunk. It's completely separate communities. And the reason is, um, the people who were destroyed financially and in terms of their, their time and emotion as well uh, were either completely destroyed to the extent they only have the lunar airdrop or they were so heartbroken that they just like, <laughs> were like, fuck this. I'm, I'm getting I, there. I just want to interrupt something. But a hold lot on, of people. Hold on, Jimmy. Let me finish like, my no, question. It's important to say this. The airdrop that was received, not everyone received something that was a fair proportion of the airdrop. True. If you own a lot of, of, of Luna back in the day, you would have gotten much at the very end. The, the whales were not the whales of tomorrow. Well, it, but, it, but, was, it was done as well as possible. Like, it was a little bit crude in many ways. Like, no, one, of are the, you one of the ways in which it was crude was that all of the extremely over-leveraged people who were, like, looping B-Lunar and shit, they got a fuckload 
like do you, like one of the accounts that's visible. Yeah, it's not fair at all. It was not fair whatsoever. You know, um, you know, Remy, the the guy on LFG, uh, Sefi, he was like one of the most re- irresponsible fucking degenerate guys. It was like his liquidation threshold um, on like 12 million was like 80, 90% for a while. And then he was like looped again and again and again. And he liquidated like almost fully when Luna's price got to about $50, right? And despite <laughs> How many the- times did we say not to do that, by the way? But that, that's <laughs> well, like, it's my, funny my, that Remy would do that. My point is that, that people who were liquidated far before the actual um, significant DPEG, uh, you know, when, when Luna was a- around the $50 range, they are the ones who've been the most heavily rewarded by the airdrop because all of that B Luna was replaced as airdrop Luna. It's interesting. No, but the, so the reason I bring this up is, uh, so, t- so Terra Rebels, right, ha- has come in to sort of like help repair the Luna Classic chain and the various issues involved with it. But the thing is, like, like it would take way less effort to create some sort of like brand new chain on Cosmos. It would take like a week or something, right? So, like, why? What's the motivation for messing with this chain versus just forming a new one that's fresh? And you could have a brand, brand new governance. You could have a brand new distribution. Nah. Right? You could, this is a this is a possibility. Now, the only thing is, you would not have. The I'm actually surprised you even asking that question. Yeah, you wouldn't I have the too. wallets of the users. I'm disappointed in you. Like, like the 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 asset really is the the name, the attention, the way, and also like a lot of well, no, 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 but I'm 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 I meant specifically from a Terra Rebels angle, right? Because these are new people to that ecosystem. They would have to sort of like either own the coin or buy it to make like make um, a buck off of this, right? But Raider, like, what was your motivation at that point? Like, why do this? I'm not saying that Lunk didn't have a lot of users and it doesn't have attention and wallets and everything else. There's use, there's utility there. That w- but what did you see there personally that you're like, oh, yeah, like I see opportunity here. Like, what was that for you? Well, I mean, primarily, um, primarily it was the, the community and the community response to what happened. You could see that there was this huge community that was not going to let go of this, this blockchain. And they were, uh, I mean, they obviously everybody was pretty traumatized after that event, but still, uh, this community is incredibly strong. And, but by uh, community, do you mean like people that were there before or people who are brand new that showed up? I, I'm, yeah. I'm, not dif- I'm not differentiating because there's no way for me to do that. I don't know. Uh, you should. I, mean, I, know, I would, I know I would say that anyone who got in late were able to get a lot of tokens and got the big airdrops would have the highest financial incentive to care. That's but also true. have the I, mean, I, I know I know very many I know you know many people within the community who who were there before and who lost a lot of money and uh, uh, and who are still here and are still fighting for the community and fighting for for well then why did most of the DAPs leave them? Sorry, why did most of the DAPs leave? Why did most of the DAPs leave? The, yeah, because the they're the ones that the biggest <laughs> history with it and would have theoretically cared the most. But they because chose the DAP, to leave. The DAPs are all about making money, aren't they? And so they, they oh right, they, you're not. They okay. threw their they threw their towel in with with TFL on the TFL's new chain, and that's the next part of the answer, isn't it? Is they didn't even go join that though. Why, Most of them just left Terra altogether. I think no, no, no. Hold on. I think CPI's point is this. CPI's point is this. Had you gone to Cosmos and created a functioning chain immediately, I think CPI would agree. Those DAPs would have moved as well to that new chain. Is that your point? Jim, yeah, or, just, or as a developer, like why this particular project as opposed to any number of like 
other spontaneously derived projects you could go after, right? I think it makes sense, though, because it's like there are so many wallets. It's vastly undervalued as a result of all the FUD and stuff. And then Terror Rebels didn't come immediately. There was a massive inflow of, of money and new investment and stuff. And a kind of like, arguably, we kind of started that at Lunkdow, like like the initial burning and stuff like that. And then after that, there was this massive inflow of money because everyone realized that um, it didn't suffer the same disadvantages of the old tokenomics, right? Like the mint burn mechanism had been turned off. So now it was suddenly like this, this chain without leadership that had all these wallets, all these apps, all this inflowing capital and stuff and no apps. clear leadership. Pardon? Apps? Like all the stuff that had been built was still existent, right? Even though it didn't work as much, you know. It had you know, like if you look, <laughs> yeah. if you look at other meme chains or whatever, it, it clearly had like a you know a very functioning, um, you know, range of apps on the chain. Even though they broke a lot with UST and stuff, it was still like it was like kind of a, this derelict, vacant house or something like that that um, terror rebels or some kind of organization that could organize. Pardon. Could renovate. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's a it's a renovation and also uh quite a cheap one because people had given up on it, people had assumed it was dead, people had moved on, and the, the main builders or developers had largely been wrecked and moved on. Um I think a lot of the the stuff you're saying, Raider, is more of a narrative than a reality. Like in reality, about ninety-five percent of the investors in Lunk now are just new people. They are kind of like the meme coin crowd they're they're fairly new they invested after crash they saw a bit of an interesting bet to get involved in something that was so heavily fudded and so apparently dead um so it's like that's an interesting thing that the the old community isn't really the lung community now it's it's a separate community in its own right there's there's almost no overlap there are a few people like maybe me and and some others and you know you've seen them around who've been here a long time but the the high majority of them like 95 percent of them are just brand new people, um, which in a way is cool because it's just like completely distinct communities which can have completely distinct goals with no overlap. And if anything, they can benefit each other down the road uh, without any kind of trade-off because it's just new pools of money, different pools of money. I think we must identify the difference in terms of communities. The pre-crash Terra community, as you know, had some of the best developers out there in the system. You know, weren't that many Rust developers out there in the world anyway and by far had some of the best. Um, in addition to that, it had some of the most innovative dApps. For example, you know, Vertex be one of them, Forex trading on crypto, and it worked at the beta. It worked very well. It had so many things going for it. Those people who cared about that type of technology, there's no technology we can speak of like this on Moonj today. So they've, they've left. Some yeah. have left Web3 altogether. Yeah, one of the one of the points I made as well to to people before is because a lot of the Lung community have been very kind of antagonistic to to the old Luna. They were like, you know, associated with Doquan. Oh, it's a, it's a scam. It's whatever. You know, all these people are betraying. And they've said a lot of stuff like that. But in reality, all of the people who spent two years building the current incarnation of Lung, all of the apps, all of the the novel and interesting stuff you're talking about, Jimmy, all of those people have moved to the Luna chain. But um, if there can be... No, that's not true. Well, okay, I'm talking like generalities. But a lot of them have moved on to, to Luna 2 or other Cosmos chains or whatever projects. Um, if there is in future an incentive and also a level of, I guess you call it like technological parity 
between the two chains. They could certainly come back and build stuff, especially if there's an incentive. Maybe the the tax is reduced to 0.1 or something, um, and there's a you know a, a clearer incentive to get volume and attract real economic activity on the old chain. There's still an incentive for people to come back and build there um, because it's you know like look at the thing. It's like a two billion market cap thing now. It's nothing. It's nothing comparable to the assumptions people made back in May. I mean, they- it's a legit chain, obviously. Um, yep. I don't think anyone denies that it's not. I mean, if you look at all these other chains that have basically collapsed completely, you know, for example, Harmony would be one example. Their entire dev team has left. That's no joke. Every week, there's a new, another staff member who announces their resignation. It at one point had, you know, $3 billion in market cap, if I'm not mistaken. Now it's at 250 I think. And its office is now a ghost town. This is a startup slash chain that had a lot of good, you know, good community vibes. And it's not the only one. What is unique, I guess, about lunch is it can't go bankrupt because it has no operating costs to speak of. Am I correct? Not really significant operating costs. These other chains are heavily. Well, okay, you can go ahead, Raider, but you can see my point. Some of these other chains spent way too much money on themselves and don't have the the cash uh, run to basically survive anymore so basically they're bankrupt yeah i mean obviously that that's kind of like what we're wrestling with at the moment which is you know why terror rebels is is searching for funding in whatever form that we can get because you know people came together to 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 do the the initial work to restore governance to implement the burn tax and now you want some money out of it right and now people want to get paid to 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 devote more time to it, which I think is reasonable, right? You know, they they've spent five months volunteering, and I think people rightly want to to um, to get. It's paid always like this in crypto, more. though. You know, eventually you build something that's decentralized, and then now you're at the top. You have the biggest voice. Now you, it's rent-seeking behavior that you know comes next. Well, it's a very mean, unique it's, it's thing like, about crypto. Yeah, I, love. I, I, I take that point, and you know, I'm not. I, I, you know, what can I say? You know, at the end of the day, people people want to get paid for their time, and and I think that's not unreasonable. And uh, so, you know, if it's rent seeking behavior, so be it. You know, I think it's rent seeking behavior with deliverables. You know, we're we're actually delivering stuff. And we have a roadmap, and we're going to continue to. Well, what would happen if you so, could stop delivering? Would it matter to the price? I don't know. And so maybe if you just stop delivering, you'd realize it's just a meme coin. It wouldn't matter. Yeah, yeah, that that, that, that could well be true. Uh, you know, there's, so there's I, no, I think the difference between Web two and Web three is this: well. because um, there's in, we there's like immediate liquidity. We're technology. Hold on, Jimmy. Radio was speaking. Thank you. Yeah, fuck that. I'm, I'll talk if I want. Um, I think the difference between Web 2 and Web 3 is this. Because there's immediate liquidity, um, you can make this decision whenever you want. And in, in many ways, it's irrelevant what you actually accomplish. As you saw, many dead projects like Dogecoin and Sheep did magnificently during the bull run, right? And then only when you see it does well, you ask get paid. This is not like a Web 2 company. If it didn't do well, if Lunge's prices continue to collapse, you would never have asked to get paid, even if you were doing the same work. Am I correct? I'm not asking to get paid. I'm speaking about the, the Terror Rebels organization as a, as a whole. We have around about 30 people actively contributing at the moment. And, you know, some of those people are unemployed and they, you know, they've devoted their time. And, you know, at some point they will 
find jobs and go off and do other things. Sweat equity. Now, is that what we're talking about right now? Sweat equity? If you want to call it that, yeah. See, uh, zombie. Any comments, zombie? Um, um, hi, hi, Sefi. Hi, hi, Coach. It's it's been a while. Um, um, I, 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 I'm a little bit off topic right now. Um, I, I'm, I've actually got a, a blind date in like an hour. Um, so I came to someone who actually radiates beautiful energy all the time. So I came for some uh, professional advice uh, with someone who's actually had experience with a lot of beautiful women. So could you like actually uh, score me some advice? Okay, I'll give you some advice. What you do is you dress well, right? Bruce, what is your advice to zombie here on this blind date? What do you? Well, I'll, I'll, I'm talking here. You, you take a shower. No, I don't want your advice. And, I, I came with a person with experience. Oh, I'm going to tell you my advice anyway, okay? And when uh, you I talk to her, you. you say very nice things to her. Because that's what women blah, care blah, about. Blah, blah, blah. You know what, blah, 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 German man? If you want to go back to the Nazis where you came from, you can go ahead and do okay, that. Thanks. But I'm okay, not going to take that from yeah, you, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, thanks. What have you accomplished in your life? What has your country ever done? Zombie, don't I'm listen. Sure that's, what, that's what I've accomplished. It. Oh, um, yeah, uh, back to zombie. Uh, yeah, so this dating advice, Bruce, what do you think? I'm just having a pee. Is that okay? I can prove um, it. I don't, I don't think you're allowed to pee. Too well. much information. I'm willing to prove it. Uh, thank you for that proof, uh, that proof of work in the, anyway, proof of P. Zombie, can I give you some advice for your blind date? It would be really appreciated. I'm, I'm like a hundred hours sober after like two years. So uh, please, please, could you help me? Yeah. Um, okay. So what you have to do is before you meet up with her, you have to, I assume you're going to meet up in public or something if it's a blind date. So you need to find a toilet nearby and you need to masturbate really furiously for, until you're like sort of on the edge. And then when you meet her, <laughs> you need to run up behind her and you need to one stroke it. And then you need to deposit uh, whatever on her back and then you need to run away. How do you think that will help exactly? Well, it's, it's like a pheromones thing. Basically, there's certain pheromones once absorbed through the skin, you know, like dermally, like it goes into her bloodstream and then she will be addicted to that, his essence, his life essence from that point onwards. So even if she thinks, oh, well, he, he stood me up, he didn't come to the date, she'll be like thinking about him obsessively all the time. That's like the feminine nature of things. And eventually she'll be spamming his phone with calls. She'll be coming to his house. And, you know, as far as she's concerned, nothing even happened. But, yeah, it will get her hooked for life. Don't know. Sounds like you're encouraging sexual assault or something. A bit weird. Um, Zombie, what's the backstory here? Like, how did you get in touch with this girl? And, and also, where are you going to meet her? Like, what's the, the context, the story? Then maybe we could advise a bit more. Um, um, she, she messaged me on, on, on Facebook messenger and, uh, I, I said, I would like to go on a date with you. And she told me that she only dates virgins and, uh, I've fitted the criteria. So I thought that, um, I, I would make a perfect candidate to make this woman feel safe. So, um, maybe you could advise a bit more. Um, I think in a situation like this, the, the best thing to do is just listen. Like, remember why your face is arranged the way it's arranged. 
you have two ears and one mouth. Why is that? It's because you're designed to listen as a man. Um, as a man, your configurement is to listen much more than you speak. And my advice in terms of women is the less you say, the better. Because the less you say, the more of a mystery you will be. And the more of a mystery you'll be, the more intoxicated with you they'll be. The thing you want to happen is after the date, you walk away and she thinks to herself, hang on a minute. I didn't ask this guy a single question. I know nothing about him. Who is he? Who is he? And you want her to be wondering. You want her to be like, kind of, I don't know, wondering to herself, like, who the fuck is that guy? Like, why did I just spill my heart out to him for an hour or two? You know, how did he get so much information out of me? How, how did that even happen? Like, I, it, it felt so natural for me to tell him all of that stuff. You know, he's such a good listener. He's so keen. He's so open. He's so receptive. And he's so, so mysterious. My advice to you would be just like, sit there on the date, nod, um, listen, ask questions. And if she ever asks you a question, then just ask a question back. Like if she says to you, where did you go on holiday in summer? Say something to her like, oh, that doesn't matter right now. What did you do for your summer? Do you know what I mean? You just direct it again and again and again. Um, do not, that, that, I think that's my main piece of advice. Do not ask, do not answer a single of her questions. Always redirect it. Be a politician. Remember, the person who asks questions is the one in control. I learned this from police interviews. So do you have any anecdotal uh, examples of some police interviews that could be used to like uh, extrapolate for this dating experience thing? Oh, I think any, any interview with a serial killer or whatever, look at the, the dynamic in the police, you know, those, uh, they have them like CCTV cameras of um, serial killer interviews and stuff. They do these analyses on, on uh, YouTube. There's a whole long series of them with, uh, I think even like Jeffrey Dahmer and other people, they've had all the original interviews when they first came in, when they were first caught. If you watch some of those, notice the dynamic. Um, the, the police are always the ones asking the question. And that's why, because they need to maintain this power dynamic. And the power dynamic in asking the questions maintains the authenticity of the fact that the interview is happening. Um, Stephanie Rader, what are your like dating advice and tips for zombie? I feel like you two, you're like, you know, you're wise souls. You've got some knowledge under the belt. You can maybe teach him how to love. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I'm too old for that kind of thing. I've, I'm, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, just Give um, a be yourself. That's my advice. Be yourself. You yeah, have to buy her flowers. Yeah, but some people are a bit weird with flowers nowadays. You know, like uh, I love them. Just give her flowers and chocolate. She might have a, it's over. She might have an allergy. Like, you know, it's in might, the back. She might start sneezing if you bring bigger flowers. And zombie, zombie, you need to be very confident. Here's a question for you, Pirate, to, to get like a female perspective. Like uh, a lot of virgins, including me, don't really know when a girl is ready to be kissed. Like, so one of the questions is, what are the, what are the signs? What's she going to do? How is she going to look? Like, what are her lips and eyes going to do when she's ready to be kissed? Because I never know, like personally speaking for myself, I never know when to dive in and peck her. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. There's no clear dynamic. If, 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 she was, if he was like a, a mother bird or something 
and she was the chick, then there might be a worm in the mouth and you'd easily see like, oh, the mother chick has come to feed me the worm or something like that. But in human interactions with kissing, kissing is a weird thing because like there's no, I don't know, there's, I've never managed to spot like a clear sign that a girl is That's willing to be much. kissed. So like the question is, how, how do you know a girl is ready to be kissed? Like how, 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 how are you ready to be kissed? What signs do you give? What's the indication? Well, well the she thing usually is, kisses, she usually kisses you first, I think. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, I don't usually, um, I'm not a lesbian. I don't really, uh, not really like about that sort of thing. So I don't really know what women look like. Like, I'm usually just sort of like vibing. I don't really think about anything. Sometimes like I'm walking down the street and, you know, birds fly down and they try and kiss me on my lips and I have to swap them away, like seagulls and stuff. But I've never really actually thought about it. Um, I, I guess I, I don't really do much introspection. I don't really think about these things. So, yeah, I wish I could give you advice on this one. But I think women's skin tends to turn slightly bluer um, when they're really, uh, like, when they're really turned on, basically, like, their, yeah, the blood flow is going that. there. <laughs> the blood flow is going there. Um, so the blood in their face is like kind of like there's there's less blood there. They go a bit sort of slimier in their skin. Um, and if the light's right, it's like golden. It's the opposite of that, man. Well, I don't know, because I'm a woman here and you're a man. So I don't know. I think that I probably know more than... Maybe they're just turned off. Look, I don't know who you think you are, right? But I have been a dating guru for the last 15 years. And I've, in that time, I've coached thousands of clients on how to have happy, lasting marriages. Now, what have you done for the dating community in Web3, Dry Banana? I'm pretty new here. Okay, I forgive you. But yeah, sorry, I can't. Um, I can't I'm very young. I'm 21 years old. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, Jade is give, me, give me advice, please. If you're the dating guru, please give us advice. Lock yourself in a well. Like, like, get climb into a well and, and lock it shut, and then stay there and think for a long time. And when you no, no, eventually, that was a real question. Don't get mad, please. I didn't mean to offend you. Oh, this, this is. I'm not mad. This is genuine advice. This has worked for about three thousand of my clients so far because basically, um, they're in a well for a long time, and in that time, they they sort of have realizations about the nature of the world and relationships and. They stop thinking about everyone who's <laughs> warm. You know, fucked, no, it's real. You need to listen. You, you, I can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped, Dry Banana. I mean, he does want to be helped, I guess. But my man, just don't give a fuck about what... Uh, I mean, about this thing of the kissing, the most important thing is look her in the eyes. Man, if you really look the other person in the eyes, believe me, you will know. You'll know the It'll moment. Be a connection, you will know straight away. You will know. Yeah, exactly. It's all in the eyes. Everything, man. You will feel it. If you, you, but you have to look. If you don't look in the eyes, you can feel. It. And it's not just looking. It's like looking. If I can, if if I'm. And if she, uh, you, yeah. she will let you know. No, I think you're talking from a very neurotypical perspective. And a lot of people these days, especially in these Web3 decentralized economies and these um, internet spaces, they, they aren't neurotypical. They're neuroatypical. They tend to have autism and Asperger's and stuff like that, which is a clear pronounced deficit of body language, intuitive things that other people have. So 
for for autistic people like Just me, we like do need a le- we do need a level of of being told what to do, little signs to look out for. We map social reality not intuitively, um, innately in our innate capacities, but we do it through modeling. You know, we model things. We look for certain signs. Uh, we don't have these things innately. It's it's a, a different thing. It's it's kind of I don't know. You're there's a level of judgment and talking from your own experience while ignoring mine, which I don't like. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was part one of a I'm gonna say three part Chepe Space. Started out being titled Doquan, Saint or Sinner, and ended up being titled Well, we're not there yet. Recorded on Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. For I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit, like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements. Of course, we're tripping balls, handed reports in. The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the latch, letting rhythm scratch No shit, spitting facts with my vision smashed Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastise into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pecker heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two